0: last season on deviate with Rolf Potts uh, well, you tell me can you, can you can you identify yourself my name
1: is Ari Shapir. okay and so what's happening right now these are mushrooms okay. um, what you want to do is split these about in half
0: welcome to deviate with Rolf Potts where I talk with experts public figures and interesting people about fascinating topics that go off topic. Today I talk with Ari Shafir for what it feels like is the fourth or fifth time in the podcast. He appeared several times during season one, including the season one finale, which, as you might recall, ended with him scoring me magic mushrooms in Los Angeles. I actually took them that day um, after I had parted ways with Ari, and uh, today in the season two debut, I will talk to Ari about what happened that day during that mushroom experience, which really was the first time I experienced psychedelic drugs ever. So this podcast sort of brings the this whole mushroom thread full circle since, as you might recall, in episode six last season, Ari sort of talked me into doing them or sort of talked to me about how it wasn't going to be weird or dangerous to do them. And then in episode 52, a subtext of what happens is that he is on the phone trying to find me mushrooms as we talk about other things. Uh, that was in Los Angeles. This time for episode 60, 56, we, or I'm sorry, 53, we sit in New York and talk about what happened that day in Los Angeles, um, since for all practical purposes, like I said, that was my first real drug experience ever. Naturally, it makes a lot of sense why I would talk to Ari for this episode. I also considered talking to Tim Ferriss because Tim was actually another influence on me taking psychedelic mushrooms. Uh, this was, gosh, a conversation I had with him maybe three years ago before I even knew Ari. Um... And if you've listened to Tim's podcast, you know that he deals with psychedelics quite a bit. But for reasons uh, Ari and I talk about in the podcast, Tim decided to sit this conversation out um, although it's interesting that Tim is part of, or at least um, reporting on, what could be considered a psychedelic, re- psychedelic renaissance that's going right now. Um, and that includes Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, what the new psych- uh, science of psychedelics teaches about consciousness, dying, addiction, depression, and transcendence. I make reference to that book several times in this interview. And Tim, who interviews Paulin on his podcast, um, recently invested in um, the Center for Psychedelics Research at the Imperial College in the UK, I think. So there's some serious um, things happening in the research surrounding psychedelics, even though this conversation is just about my first somewhat recreational experience with psychedelics now i'm a travel guy not really a psychedelics guy um, and i use a lot of travel metaphors to describe what i experienced on mushrooms Um, and in some sense it feels like travel was my first drug Uh, it was my frame of reference for understanding these new and raw experience in other places and so the psychedelic experiences i experienced on mushrooms Uh, sort of fell under that same framework of understanding, or at least of talking about it. Because I think travel experiences don't always translate to normal uh, uh, conversations, and the drug experience can sort of be the same way. Um, Interestingly, after having done the mushrooms, uh, I traveled this winter uh, around the world through parts of Asia like Sumatra and Sri Lanka, and um, that drug experience just gave me a reference for looking closer and understanding certain things that I was seeing, or at least taking an interest in certain things I was seeing. And that's something that Ari and I um, touch on in a little bit more nuanced detail during uh, during the course of this conversation. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you might notice that this isn't a scripted intro. Usually my intros are much shorter and more scripted, but uh, sort of as a tribute to Ari, I'm doing an Ari-style intro where I'm just sort of freestyling it a little bit. Uh, I probably won't talk as long as Ari because I'm not a comedian, uh, and we'll get to the conversation with Ari pretty soon. Um, but one fun thing about talking with Ari about this experience, and really our conversation is is more than two hours, um, is that after all of these years of talking to each other on podcasts, we've sort of become friends. And so the conversation isn't really driven by an outline or an agenda, but we're just a couple of friends recalling one guy, my first drug experience, first psychedelic experience. And it's really, it, it, it has the the character of a conversation where we'll, re, we'll return to certain topics and then build on them a little bit and then drift into another topic and then come back to certain topics and build a little bit some more on that. So I think it's, it's a long conversation, but it's a really fascinating and engaging conversation uh, to have. Since this is the first episode of season two, and at the end of season one, I did ask for feedback, I want to touch on that a little bit. I got some great feedback over the winter. I promised postcards to people who sent me their address and ended up mailing over 50, which if you if it's been a while since you've mailed postcards, that's a lot of postcards uh, and was a lot of work, but sort of a fun ritual because it reminded me of the travels I did like 20 years ago. Um, One of the things that all you guys requested was more travel topics, which makes a lot of sense because travel is something that I think about all the time and I know deeply. Um, We also talked about frequency. Um, This season I'm going to try double episodes or sometimes single or triple episodes every other week instead of going every week. Uh, So let me know how that frequency works for you. Um, One funny bit of feedback I got at the end of last season was chagrin at taking time off from the podcast, which is flattering in a certain sense. I'm glad you guys like listening to regular installments of the podcast. But hey, I'm a travel guy. I went around the world this winter. um, And while some people can podcast from the road, I really didn't want to think about podcast deadlines. I wanted to immerse myself in Sumatra and Sri Lanka and Georgia and other places that I traveled to. And I'll, I'll talk a lot about those travels this season but uh i'm glad i took some time off from travel itself during the winter i'm actually headed to europe in the middle of this season season two i'll be teaching some classes and speaking at events in kazakhstan and paris and tuscany and boston and then back to paris for some more teaching um but i'm going to continue to to work on this podcast in that situation because my teaching is is slightly different than my vagabonding travel it's a little bit less immersive a little bit more connected Um, Actually, my Paris classes, which I teach every year, are mostly sold out this year. I have a travel memoir and a book writing uh, workshop that are sold out. But there are still are slots open left for my one-month Paris writing workshop, if you're interested. That's in July. Um, And you can find out more information about that at pariswritingworkshops.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. So as per everyone's request, I have a lot of travel topics planned this season. And in fact, uh, this RA episode is part of a three-part season launch uh, that includes an episode where I talk about my winter travels uh, in contrast to my epic first Asian vagabonding trip of 1999 and how travel has changed in those 20 years. Uh, It's interesting reading that old travel journal from 1999 as well as the travel journal I kept on my very first USA vagabonding trip in 1994. um, Because like 24 years or 25 years ago, I sort of considered myself an aspiring film director Uh, I wanted to be a a travel writer, but somehow it seemed more concrete to want to be a film director, and my fixation with film continues after all these years, so I will talk about some non-travel topics over the course of this season, including film. You know, I listened to the Rewatchables podcast, which is about old classic movies and is part of Bill Simmons' Ringer network of podcasts. Um, I'm sure some of you listen to it as well. And I kind of like how Bill Simmons uh, uses these films to sort of mark his own life and his own memory. And I sort of do the same thing. And so in this season of the podcast, I'll probably touch on some film anniversaries, including the the 20th anniversary of the filming of Leonardo DiCaprio's The Beach, which I was an extra in and which I wrote about back in the day. Uh, and how that movie is part of a much longer tradition of travel movies. Uh, and travel aside, I'll probably also occasionally touch on some music stuff, some 1980s and 1990s stuff, uh, and even some Kansas stuff, since Kansas is where I'm based when I'm not traveling. And while my Kansas episodes tend to rate fairly low in terms of listenership, uh, I really think that my home state is a fascinating place. And I think my fascination for faraway places is an extension of the place, of a fascination for the place where I grew up. So there will occasionally be some Kansas stuff. Um, in general, uh, I think the podcast this season will dip into whatever's on my mind. Again, it'll be mostly about travel, but, um, some of it is actively me trying to become a better and more engaged person. Um, episode 32 of last season, for example, was about how to talk to someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one. And for reasons I won't go into here, I I had to re-listen to that one recently simply to re-engage the subject matter and think it over for personal reasons. Um, pers- uh, feedback aside, I haven't really sought to optimize this podcast by ambitious networking or clickbait-driven market research or anything like that. It really is a podcast specific to my own point of view, which is very travel-centered, of course, um, but also has other perspectives. And, and so that says, uh, so please do a spread the word about episodes you like. Give me a nice rating at iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. And don't forget to subscribe. I was recently listening to Unspooled, which is another great film, another great classic film podcast. And they had an interesting uh, initiative where they had the audience um, go and fill out a survey so that they could better target their advertising, which is a good idea, but probably not where my advertising is going to be for this podcast. If you recall, Last season, I brought on uh, AirTrucks. I did a little ad for them. Um, and AirTrucks are like my friends. Like I've known those guys in the travel milieu for a long time. They plan around the world and multi-stop itineraries. They're actually not sponsoring this episode. Um, and actually, when I was looking at the stats for last season, I noticed that there was a slight dip during the advertising parts. And it's like, oh, man, why are they skipping AirTrucks? I love those guys. But I, you know, I, I skip ads when I listen to podcasts too. So don't sweat it. But do keep in mind that I am bringing on advertisers not just because they're paying me to have ads, but because they're travel um, people that I know and, and have products that I believe in. At, le- at least for now, um, maybe eventually I'll, I'll I'll spread that net a little wider. Uh, but a big. Sponsor of this podcast season will be Tortuga Backpacks. In fact, this episode is brought to you by Tortuga Backpacks. Uh, Fred, the co-founder, is a guy I've known since he was making prototypes of these backpacks about eight years ago. He has sought to travel in a vagabonding way and design backpacks in a in a useful and meaningful way. Um, they actually sent me a couple of packs, the Set Out Backpacker uh, the Setout Backpack and the, the Outbreaker Day Pack, to travel around the world with this winter. Over the course of the season, I'll talk about those, uh, what it was like to carry those packs and, and how those packs served me this winter. Um, and one fun thing about using them is that really Tortigo backpacks are designed for travel. Um, when I was in Sri Lanka, I ran into a lot of European travelers who were carrying these giant backpacks, which are fine, but they're really designed for climbing you know, the Matterhorn or something. They're for, for camping in the forest. They're not really made or optimized for travel. And, and they're really too big. You know, uh, I ran into people who were carrying far too much stuff across Sri Lanka, not because they needed all that stuff, but they, because they had a giant backpack that would fit all this junk. Uh, whereas I traveled with a, a thirty-five liter Tortuga backpack, um, it's the uh, again the set out backpack, um, and it worked great. It it it, uh, it stored in an overhead bin, and it just carried just what I needed to travel around the world for three months. Uh, and I'll talk more about this that this season. If you're interested in seeing either one of those backpacks, go to RolfPotts.com/Tortuga. slash and check out what kinds of packs they have on offer. If you order something from their website, you can get a 10% off by using the promo code DEVIATE. Again, that's uh, DV8, D-E-V-I-A-T-E-E for 10% off your order on Tortuga backpacks. Again, that's rolfpotscom slash Tortuga to find the website itself. And once you're on the Tortuga website and uh, you wanna order some gear at 10% off, just put in DEVIATE as the promo code. All right, let's transition into my conversation with Ari about my magic mushroom experience. Again, this was pretty much the first time I've ever been high on any kind of drug ever at age 48, or I may have technically been 47 last fall. I can't really remember. Um, And as you'll find out, it really was a positive experience in a way that can at times be hard for me to describe. But uh, here I am with Ari's help trying to make sense of just what it was I experienced when I was on magic mushrooms. So, last time I saw you yeah. um, was in Los Angeles, and you were going to record something, and you gave me a bag of mushrooms.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> Which I took that day. Actually, if you look at that episode...
1: You took them that night?
0: That, that afternoon. Wow. Yeah. I went, I, went, I went to another part of Los Angeles and, and did mushrooms that day.
1: Another part of the fucking universe, man.
0: Yeah. I want to hear about it. Yeah, well, uh, this is, um, I've been waiting, whatever, five months. um, Damn, it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was October, I think. Yeah, I went, went, yeah. And what happened is, because I did it with my friend Mel, who was also a noob, there was no authority, right? It was just two people doing it, and so you were sort of our spirit animal. Like, (laughs) I had her read your online guide, right? And so you were the expert for whatever reason. You were the expert. And so we'd, we'd read, and and I'll talk about this more in a second, but I think while we were talking and you're giving me the mushrooms, you said, keep your phone off because you'll just, you'll feel full of love and you'll text your mom something that won't make sense, right? Yeah. And so that was so emblazoned in my head that I actually ended up thinking about my mom quite a bit while I was Oh wow, oh wow. We, because of that, you know, admonition not to do something stupid in the context of one's mom. It like auto-suggested my mom. So- That oh, means
1: I gotta change how I suggest to loved one. Right. You're gonna uh, su- tell something to right. some loved one that you wouldn't. Okay. It, it was fine though. It, it, it was fine because- um, I Put your mom's like thought in your head thought of your mom. Your right,
0: head. but it was, it was, I'll explain it in a second.
1: Yeah, it wasn't it, like the it devil. Was, or it was something. in the
0: context of some other things I was thinking about, you know, and so I, I was thinking about my mom. It wasn't weird things about my mom, but it was just this, it was a very excess, existen- ended up being a very existential day and a very mystical day, and it was so much fun. Um, and just as an aside, before we dive into this, I asked Tim Ferriss if he wanted to talk about this, because you, you guys are, are two people who really talked me into this. I didn't do any sorts of drugs f- at all for 48 years, right? Yeah, um, what a waste. And, and I wanna to touch on why a little bit, but... Um, I know why, bit.
1: you're a coward, it's okay. <laughs> well, maybe,
0: <laughs> but I think also I grew up like with this baby boom generation that feels like it just sort of discovered drugs, and like the generation that was older than me I think was used to talking to its parents' generation with sort of self-righteousness about drugs. And they ended up talking, it feels like, to the younger generation about it too. And, and so instead of just arguing why this, the drug experience makes sense and, and um, it's rational, it was more like, oh, you're not doing drugs? Well then, you're square, you know, man, you, why are you limiting yourself? So it was sort of, it felt like nobody really gave me a good... When I, when, I, when I resisted the drug experience and we talked about that in the, in the other podcast it tied tied into where I grew up and certain perceptions of become you religious
1: know. Kansas too I'm sure
0: yeah but then also I, I was sort of in this working class environment and I saw friends doing drugs and, or kinds of drugs and, and I just it just felt like it was ba- a bad idea like we were a, we were a group of people who weren't given a whole bunch of chances um in retrospect we were doing fine we were mostly white people but um It just felt like we're sort of this lower middle class bunch of people who already didn't have a head start on life. So why waste your time smoking weed or whatever? Anyway, that was my initial resistance. Um, And maybe there was sort of a moral panic thing tied into it. Um, But then when I got a little bit older and I would discuss it with people who enjoyed using drugs like weed or something, then it was always this, oh, well, what are you? Are, Are you a square type argument? There was no just rational.
1: Nobody laid right. it out to me. Yeah, that's a problem with a lot of it is like no one's giving me actual reasons. Just like, come on, or don't or do, but it's never like really thought out. Well,
0: uh, don't, yeah, don't be uncool or like y- you have no idea. It'll, it'll make your, it'll improve your life. Or, but without giving examples, you know, it just for whatever reason.
1: Um, so here's why, just to break in for a second, here's why I think people are eating healthier now. Okay. Because in the old day, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago and beyond, your parents would be like, don't eat McDonald's, it's unhealthy, or don't eat whatever they think is unhealthy, it's unhealthy. And you're like, shut up mom, you don't know. And then you just wanna resist it. And now we have this source where we can actually find out what the mm. truth, which is the internet. Mm. And so it's like, shut up mom, the internet says fine, but then this one's the internet actually says what you've been saying. Right. So I'm not doing it because mom says, I'm doing it because the internet told me, irrefutably, a Big Mac is shitty for you. Right. And so then it's like, I'm the one deciding, not my parents telling me. And so with drugs, you're right when they just say, do it or don't do it. They never give you a real reason. And they make this umbrella of drugs, which heroin and weed are like, come on, how is this under the same umbrella?
0: And I got some of those arguments, you know, that like, for example, um, uh, when I was living in Thailand, there there was sort of a hippie couple that lived in the same town, expat couple. And they said, anything organic is fine. Like don't do crystal meth, but cocaine or heroin or whatever. If if it's a plant, if it's a plant, it's fine. And that, that made sense, but they also, they also sort of had an arrogance about it. Um, that, that it's just sort of like there's this idea that in 1972, if you didn't do drugs, then you were somehow aligning yourself with the man or with uh, being repressive or something, you know. Whereas in the 2000s, That that argument isn't there anymore. You know, there's plenty of people who do drugs, you know, and there's people who've done drugs unwisely. So give me the argument. And so what happened is you gave me an argument. You you can go back. It's it's episode one. It's my first interview with you. You sort of talked me into it in real time. Uh, And before (laughs) that, actually, Tim Ferriss set it up because when he visited me in Paris and we spent the day walking to Versailles, he brought it up. And he's, he's like a rational guy. He's not like a, an empty-headed um, party dude. Oh, a
1: very rational guy. Yeah. And so... Um, but he's the modern hippie. I interviewed him. I still haven't released it yet. But like...
0: Oh, I've uh, been wondering why you haven't released it. It's
1: just time. And then every time I wanted to release it, a friend was like, I'm releasing a CD this week. Can you put mine out this week? It's like, uh, yeah. And then I just went traveling and I just like didn't... Well, it's the coming reason, soon. The
0: reason why I bring it up is because I, asked, I also asked him. I said, Ari gave me some mushrooms. I finally had this experience. Because I, I, I sort of deflected his discussion of psychedelics when we were in Paris, but he also made sense and he was being rational. Um, And so I said, we should talk about it. And and he said, we can, but because I am arguing for certain normalization, like we're going through a psychedelic renaissance right now. And he is really vested in using this for depression or PTSD. or um, addiction, right? And so, if he, and I had a pretty goofy mushroom experience, and so if I just, if he talked with me about an unsupervised experience with my friend Mel, that involved a lot of goofiness, it might compromise in ways that he, like he's, he's So those a,
1: people at MAPS, a Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, whoa, how did that stay in there? Um, and they're real scientific about it, and uh-huh. they are very clear, I talked to them, and they're like, we don't call it Molly, we call it MDMA, because we're using this as treatment. The more you call it the party drug names, the less well, serious St- we'll get it taken. Stamets doesn't
0: call it shrooms.
1: What right? does he call it? A mushrooms. A mushroom. Mushrooms. Yeah. He
0: he doesn't like the word shrooms because he thinks it, it trivializes what it is. Right. right.
1: Yeah, and if you make this a scientific thing, then you really can't. Right. No one talks about aspirin as sprin. Right. You know, yeah, and it's yeah. like party drug. It just does what it's supposed to do.
0: I like the word shrooms though, so I'm probably gonna no, use it's it so several fun. times. Yeah, and the then also
1: that me- there's there's no what do you mean, portobellos? Like that? That's, yeah. That takes that out when you say shrooms.
0: That's true. That's true. But Paul is it Paul Stamets? Is that I his heard name? Heard that name. Yeah. Um, he's he's of that baby boom generation, so I think that he probably has some associations where there was some trivialization, some sort of hipsterization of mushrooms. But people who called it shrooms were people who weren't really taking it that seriously, and it actually has there's all these things that you can do with it. So with Tim, you know. Tim trusts me, I'm sure, but he, he didn't want to have a conversation with me that somebody's going to use two years down the line to say, well, Tim Ferriss is promoting wow. you know, like recreational use of mushrooms so here, weird. so we're not going to pass the legislation. And so Tim was just being smart. Um, so you're stuck with me, Ari, talking about the okay. mushroom experience, in part because you're the one who literally handed me the mushrooms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that, though. Like, here, have a good time. But here's the weird thing about the mushrooms and talking about it that way. Uh, they're saying it's one of the top three most spiritual experiences they've ever had. And that's, most people say that who have done mushrooms. Okay. And that's all great. But I don't want to like, whenever I talk to people, I'm like, that could be. But you're also, no matter what, during this mushroom trip, going to have a great time and laugh your ass off. And that's most of the experience.
0: And it was a great time. Okay. It, it, it was a great time. And I'll go into details about it. Yeah, that. Sure. Specifically, it was it. great. And because... Because you ended up being the spirit animal of the experience. (laughs) I'm jumping ahead here, but I I was enjoying writing so much. Just like the act of writing.
1: While Um, on them? Yes.
0: While on mushrooms.
1: Um, Did you do... So let me see. I'm going to stop you as we do this. But like, did you... Did I tell you to like to keep like notepads all around or like keep? Yes. Okay, cool. So again, you're the spirit animal. So you gave uh, like, Especially to a writer. It was
0: me and my friend Mel who uh, is, is a dear friend, is also a writer and is just as naive as me and probably a little bit more paranoid because she didn't have the conversations that I had with you. Like you, you assuaged the danger part of mushrooms for me. She wasn't sure. Um, we both embraced it and had a great time, right? but um uh but we were noobs i mean that was part of our last conversation it was two noobs and the fact that there wasn't an expert there i think made it a better experience you know the idea that there was no authority to turn and say is this normal right. is this right should i do this should i do that it was just like we lo- we would look at each other and it's like this is brand new you know and how many times at at age 48 do you have an experience maybe travel maybe but, travel uh, i'll probably bring in some travel analogies here but do you have an experience that's so new that you have no idea what to do with it, right? Yeah. So Yeah.
1: How often do you get that? Not much. And the thing is too if you do have a like a shaman there or a leader there, then it's like kind of like when you're doing your math homework and you keep looking over at your mom like is this right? Is this right? Like you need to do it, figure out the wrong answer and then redo it and then you'll learn. That, but that, like having someone constantly answering for you. Cuz part of it's the adventure. Oh my and like God. am I going to die? Is this What's gonna happen if I go here? It's like, if you have something like nothing, then it's like, not quite as fun. Well, t- to give away a little of the
0: plot here, a police helicopter started circling the house. Like Goodfellas. Like one hour into casino. the Casino, was it casino?
1: No, Goodfellas. Was it Goodfellas? Yeah, when he's like looking at a he's like, they're spying on me for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well this is what happened. That, that literally somebody broken into a house in Mel's neighborhood and a police helicopter started circling one hour after it kicked in. Oh but, yeah But your online your little online guide says in capital letters, they don't know.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah. And so you continued
0: to be our spirit animal. I can talk about that in more detail because that was this was like a one hour into the experience. That basically we we were so delighted because your guide was, because you were the only authority we had, everything else was raw experience, um, that capital letters they don't know, we were sort of happy-go-lucky. It's like, haha, they're circling, they have no idea that we're, that we're doing psychedelic mushrooms. Then it turned a little bit, and we'll get back to this, because okay. they started talking to us on a loudspeaker. the loudspeaker. The, the police helicopter.
1: Um, what were they saying?
0: Well, I, actually, Mel had recorded it with her phone, so I might even insert it oh, into yeah, the podcast. Oh yeah, sure do that. listen to it again and again and we don't and we think they said get away from the pool and go in the house (laughs) because we were back in in the backyard by the pool right and apparently somebody had there was a robbery or something and and um i guess the police was worried that the the robber would jump into mel's backyard and assault us i don't know i don't know what was going on but um you actually told us not to use our phones but because we're both writers she had been recording some stuff early on and then later when we came inside, there's two very different, the first third of the experience was outside and the, the, the other two thirds were inside and the inside part ended up being much better, weirdly enough, um, or, or more memorable and more affecting. Um, and, and, and what divided it was the police helicopter. It, it, it forced us inside. And then what's inside Mel's house is a piano. And everything changed when, we start, when she started playing the piano. It brought in this new texture. And then also, I think.
1: Can she play okay? Yeah. Okay.
0: She's not. She's she just. It's, it's like she's a huge. She, 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 songs. she studied it when she was young, and she, it's just what she does for joy. Like, okay. she doesn't perform it. She doesn't have public performances, but she's very talented okay. and very well trained. And the music was so beautiful. And again, jumping ahead a little bit, I just started crying. Every time she played. I... <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, I'm not a crier. Like, I, yeah. uh, I think I cried a lot when I was younger than six. And yeah. so I'm one of those little boys who just taught himself not to cry. That's toxic
1: masculinity. It's toxic masculinity. <laughs> and so
0: I just, I'm not a crier. Man, she, um, she started playing. You're crying because the beauty of the song. The beauty of the song and the way that the five senses are a, a brand new experience like, I don't know how you want to enter this conversation, Ari, like chronologically or if we want to jump around. Yeah, jump around. And like, I read Michael Pollan's book. Um, do you know Michael Pollan's the, book? The, uh,
1: like the biologist who's like talking about shrooms now?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's called, gosh.
1: What yeah, I got to read it.
0: Anyway, Ferris interviewed him like a couple weeks ago. And so they're both very serious. They're both in yeah. for healing. You know, mine was a more recreational experience, but he... He talks about the separation of the ego. He talks a lot about spiritual stuff. And I'm not saying, I didn't have a Michael Pollan type experience. Um, Maybe it was the dosage or something. I had a lot of fun, you know? I didn't see God, um, but I had a lot of fun. But what I did is that the sound, I've never experienced sound that way. That it wasn't, she wasn't playing a song on the stereo. She was playing a piano, which has these little hammers and chords. And so I could feel the
1: song in my body. So there's a difference. Like if you get off the plane in Austin, and they, it's a live music town, they'll have occasionally, they'll have like singers, like guitar and singer, um, folk singers or whatever, like in one of the like restaurant bars in the airport. Uh-huh. And you don't know they're there, but as you walk down the airport, like alley, whatever it's called, you know, the, 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 the hallway, you can hear the music and instantly you're like, that's live music. Yeah. You know, it's a different sound. I don't know what it yeah, is, but when yeah. it's recorded, maybe someone might know it, it might compress or something. But like you can hear the difference between live music and a recording. It's not the it's not the level, it's the richness of it. So that shit on mushrooms must have been. It, it was it was when things changed because it was
0: very visual before then. It was it was like looking at leaves of the trees, and then also like I was she had a succulent plant in her backyard and I just stared at this succulent plant. It was like the most interesting thing in the universe yeah. for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, and, and I, I will uh. tell my listeners that. And this, this, because we were both self-conscious about it, there were so many times during the experience, experience that it's like, we're talking like people on drugs. <laughs> and, and even now, when I'm very seriously analyzing things, it sounds like drug talk. But it's true. This plant was really beautiful, but somehow it was devoid of context. This succulent plant in Mel's backyard was the most fascinating thing in the world. And I'd seen it before, but somehow the colors and the shape and the, just the way this plant was, it, it commanded my attention, yeah. and I stared at it. Then when I came inside and I was listening to the piano music, it, it struck these emotions. It's like I could feel the music. I actually made her, she played piano for about 20 minutes. I made her do it again, because I wanted to sort of feel the music in my body. I wasn't just listening, I was feeling the music. And then I, um, when she was talking, um, so, we had, we had this long conversation all day, and then, then um, what, what eventually I called the show, um, that basically, like we'd, we'd gone swimming, we'd, didn't, we'd done some normal things, we saw sort of the, like some, so, sort of the visual hallucinations that happen in the Mushroom experience, I guess, and, and feel to jump in with your own experiences here, but she was wearing a swimsuit and then like a fedora, and so she looked like a character in a drama and she was in her house and somehow this vintage swimsuit she had and her hat it was just the show that somehow there was it was dramatic and like everything was perfect it wasn't just her life it just wasn't just her house but she was cast in this perfect movie and she was like in five dimensions again i'm mm-hmm. i'm sorry listeners that this sounds like drug talk but it's like looking at her wasn't just her it's like i could her she was luminescent and i could see her like for the first time, I could see her. Actually, we spent- When you like, say see
1: her, see, does that mean like see her as a real person, like a-
0: Well, I, I, I saw her, it's like I, maybe in three dimensions. Like she was hyper real. Um, and then when I looked in the mirror, I was hyper real. And so Michael Pollan talks about the disillusion of the ego. There was a shit ton of ego with me and Mel because we spent a lot of time talking about how good we and each other looked, you know? Yeah. Like we were just- um,
1: But that is that taking away from ego, where it's like, normally you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my hair's out of place or it's sticking up over there. And then after you take away ego, because people don't quite understand that, and I'm probably getting it wrong, but from what I understand, it's like, you then look in a mirror on mushroom where you're outside your ego and you go, oh, that person's hair is sticking up, you know? And it looks good or bad, but like, you're not associated with like, oh shit, my hair looks good. It's just like, that's a guy. Right. The way you would look to see somebody in the street. Sometimes you see a homeless guy like, that's such a cool shirt pants combo. You know, and you don't see that they're homeless or how shitty he is and that homeless guy is not like, ah, I look good today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like I'm trying to survive, but you can see them without having any connection to it. So in the mirror is the same way. And yeah. and you probably did look good.
0: Actually took a selfie, I texted to you the next day. I don't think it worked on your phone. Yeah, my phone <laughs> sucks. But um I was just so smitten with my with my reflection, is like I was seeing myself um I use the term eternal form um, because I think that's an artistic term. There's like a like certain platonic forms. There's eternal forms of things. There's the idea of the tree and there's the eternal form of the tree. I was seeing everything, including myself and my friend Mel in its eternal form. And so I took a picture of myself in the mirror because I just thought I looked great. Um, And then when I saw it, the next day I looked like someone who was on drugs. So I texted it to you. <laughs> um, I, I was just, I was just sort of half-lidded and sunburned and I, I looked ridiculous. So
1: I did that with a episode of family guy, like on the down of an acid or mushroom trip, like when I'm fine, but the thoughts are still kind of vivid. And man, this episode was perfect from start to finish callbacks. And like it had second layers to it. And then it was like, write this one down and watch it again in six months. And okay. then I did, and it was like, just an episode of Family Guy. Okay. I couldn't see all the fucking deepness and beauty of it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. How did so, you feel you looked two days later? That picture, I mean, just someone on Oh, announced. well,
0: the, the pictures didn't work. Actually, Mel took a picture of me. Maybe I'll put it in the episode art or in the show notes or something. She took one picture of me. Maybe I look a little mm-hmm. bit high, but I look pretty good. Because she kept saying know. that I look like Captain America. Like, I didn't have a name for her, but she kept saying that I look like Captain America. Um, You're tall. And then, and then she was in the show. Like, she was the star of whatever movie was happening. And it felt like her swimsuit matched her furniture. And like, I sat on a couch, and then she sat on the other side of the room, because she was next to the piano. Well, I was, she played the piano, and I was crying on the couch. And then she turned around and she started talking, and when she was holding forth, the sound of her voice was really nice, too. But then the fact that she was like 20 feet away from me meant the depth of field. I wasn't just looking at her, I was looking at the, the, the end table in front of me and the chair over here. And so I wasn't just looking at her, it's like in in real life, I think Michael Pollan calls this, what is he called, the default, um, default mind network? Default mode network, DMN, anyway. Um, we constantly filter things out to make sense of the world, right? So if I'm talking to somebody normally and they're sitting across the room, I'm just looking at them and I'm filtering out everything else. When I was talking to her after she played the piano and she was on the other side of the room, I was appreciating everything. I was appreciating what she was saying, but also everything that stood between us. And that was all this furniture and, mm. and lights
1: and lighting. You were doing and stuff. what to the furniture and the lighting? You were analyzing it all?
0: No, well, I was appreciating it. Appreciating it okay. I, like I was appreciating its eternal form too. And so there was, like, all this, all this beauty and fascination. Like, the, the depth of field was very much a part of the conversation in a way that mm-hmm. it's not normally. So, like, you and I are sitting on an L couch right now. And it's as if, it's if while I was talking, at the same time, I was looking at the stack of books and the design of this table and the fabric of the couch in sort of a five senses way and appreciating it all at once in a way that it was not previously filtered. Right. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's so cool because you look at stuff so new. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, even just yeah, looking at stuff like that, the couches that are just like the fabric and the and the feel felt, you just, you just appreciate it on different levels the deepness of it and how it like fits in with the surroundings and like.
0: And then in the fact that
1: when she was
0: talking, the sense of sound, my my sight was suddenly I was seeing I was being attracted to certain furniture or plants, but when she talked. It just gave me this sort of joy it sort of gave me this vibration and then sometimes when she was talking like more color came into her face she looked like a little bit like dorothy from the wizard of oz i think because we were talking about that somehow that somehow the sound enhanced the vision and again this sounds like drug talk but it was so joyful it was just it was so enjoyable to just listen to another human being talk for a while and then to like hear her play music but actually that made me sad um, so, when, like when she was playing the piano, it was, it was as if I was at the very end of my life and I was just grateful for everything that had happened to me. And again, this sounds weird, but this, that's almost—that's the only way I can describe this emotion, that I was sort of weeping joyously at having been alive. And you had mentioned mom-specific stuff, yeah. so I was just thinking about how grateful I was for my mom and how I wouldn't always have my mom. I wouldn't always have my life. So it was a very existential thing. And so the very first thing I wrote down, you said write down things on note cards, and we wrote down quite a few things. You know, at one point, I I, I enjoyed writing things down so much that I wrote, like, fuck you, Ari, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, I just, and I literally wrote down, I just, like, I couldn't think of anything to write except to to curse my spirit animal, which was you. And so... (laughs) This is great. but, But the first thing I wrote down was grateful. Yeah. Because... Winch, and this is maybe two hours into the experience. Um, and really, I'm focusing on the inside stuff because the outside stuff was sort of interrupted by the police helicopter, and it was very. It's cool too generic. how it's separate
1: adventures. Yeah. When you have inside outside, it's like cool, you can like change the setting, and like now it's like start over and like what's going on here? It really, coming
0: inside and listening to music in a way was the beginning of the experience, even though I had two hours outside that was much more. We went swimming. We yeah. got in the water. How was
1: the water under? Uh, have I ever swam with mushrooms? I don't know.
0: The, I don't remember anything distinctive about water at all. I was almost disappointed that the, 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 the sensation of the water wasn't stronger. They it's asked, possible that I wasn't
1: Eastwood, or no, it was the guy from Pulp Fiction, in in Greece, not Greece. Yeah, Greece. Travolta. John Travolta. Yeah, he was doing research for. Uh, oh, maybe for Pulp Fiction actually about heroin, and it was like I don't want to do it but I want to know what it's like. So we talked to some heroin addicts and they're like, it's like nothing else, but the closest somebody said, like the closest it comes is you drink a bunch of tequila and then get in a warm bath. Hmm. And like, that's the feeling. So we did that and goes, this feels wonderful. And they goes, now imagine having that warm bath feeling on tequila and walking around and like your face <laughs> and your eyebrows just feel like you're in And people are like, how are you? You're like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's like, so you can't be in here. You're like, all right, I'm sorry, I'll leave. No big deal. And just, you're feeling great all the time.
0: Actually, yeah, even the way you move this now was sort of a John
1: Travolta. Bull- <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're channeling it too. It's like, whoa. But yeah, I w- I'm wondering like on mushrooms, what water feels, I know when you shower at the end of a good molly or mushroom trip, I remember going, oh my God, this feels great. Like before you bed.
0: If it was warmer, I wonder if it would, I- It yeah, was just maybe, a little bit cold like. and. For whatever reason, it, it didn't vibe, but it was pretty early in the experience. And, and just so my listeners aren't too confused and give some structure, so Ari gave me the mushrooms at like eleven in the morning or okay. ten or eleven in the morning, and we took them in the early afternoon. And basically, the the mushroom high lasted until dark.
1: How how much did you take from what I told you to take? Did you take this right the same amount?
0: Exactly. We split. We split what you gave us. Okay. A, a, and you no, know, she made me. She was she was convinced that body mass is is different. So I, I took told a little you it bit doesn't more. really matter, right? Yeah, yeah. You told okay. me it doesn't matter. It's it's in it's in the most recent episode. But she was just she was just nervous. Yeah. She had a great she had a great trip or whatever it's called. Is it called a trip? Yeah. 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 Um, but I had more than her. Just okay. that was my way of assuaging her. She didn't sit with you driving around sure. Los Angeles for it. for three hours yeah, and be convinced. I get it. So and and so we both did fine. And so I ate the bigger ones. We we basically split it, but it's possible I had maybe a little less than two thirds and she had one third or something like that. And it worked fine, you know. But then we went up by the pool, we were sitting in the sun, we were talking, it takes a while to, kick, to kick in. and then So I think when we went swimming and then before the police helicopter, it wasn't fully in gear yet. And then when the police helicopter came, like you were the spirit, you were in charge for a while even though you weren't there because you were our only reference. But then when the helicopter came, Mel's a person who lived in the neighborhood, so she called the police, and so like, she was the boss for a while. Like, oh, yeah. psychically, she was the boss. But we, we kept remembering your capital letters from your website, uh, I'll, they put don't it, know. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> the police come, capital letters, they don't know. Um, and so then, then, I didn't care, but she thought maybe we should go inside in case some sort of burglar jumped the fence and attacked sure. us. And that then,
1: fear though, even if it's completely irrational, is a fun driving force adventure wise you well, know like we're gonna die out here and it's like no you're not you went to the beach the beach is 30 feet from your apartment you didn't get lost you just can't see your apartment anymore yeah but like the idea that like you feel like oh shit, we're never gonna find our way back we're gonna have to make our living now on the beach that shit is great for adventure
0: well i didn't have anything that severe because we were we were in a house compound the yeah. whole time but even
1: like shit, somebody's gonna break in this burglar might come we got to get out of here
0: but i think it gave a different emotional slash existential texture to things then suddenly something kind of serious seeming happened and kind of absurd because we were standing in our swimsuits waving to the helicopter and um, it started talking to us to get inside and then suddenly we were inside and she started playing the piano and so her experience was different than mine like um she said when she was playing the piano it felt like she wasn't entirely that she was also watching herself play the piano and there's a bit of self-consciousness because she's a Classically trained pianist, or whatever it's called, she studied it when she was young, and so she was trying not to make mistakes. But um, and maybe I'll, I'll use some of that music because we. About an hour and a half music. of of us talking about the experience. So what happened is, since we were both noobs and we were trying to figure out what was going on, probably the first hour was, is this is it happening? You know, um, oh, I saw this, so this must be what this must be how the mushrooms work. And then the other five hours were us experiencing the mushroom high, but also talking about. What had happened before? Oh, right. And so we ended up recording. uh, She, she with her phone, recorded about an hour and a half, which was good because it helped me remember um, things.
1: That's what the notes are for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, and and the
0: recording worked out well too because we sort of forgot it was on. Oh, that's key. Yeah, and then um, I realized how much we weren't we weren't just enjoying the high, but we were talking about it, and we were talking about how we'd felt thirty minutes and an hour before and we were analyzing the helicopter experience and this may seem like a self-consciousness that's not that is counteractive to the high but in a way i think it enhanced us it was it was us making sense of the experience it was like us going to siberia and saying are you seeing what i'm seeing you know is this Did that person say something? Do you think that was uh, Russian or Siberian language, right? So there's these travel metaphors. You can talk about these new experiences. It was the two of us having a very new experience and both having it while at the same time trying to make sense of it, right? So she played the piano. I started just crying like I haven't cried, just sobbing, basically. and then. For whatever reason, that was my default mode, is that whenever she played the piano, pretty soon, within a minute, I was, I was crying. <laughs> it was just it was this physical thing. And it, it felt kind of good, actually. It was cleansing, you know, I don't, I don't cry very much. Um, and then, and we'd talk about it. And she talked about what, what, what it was like to, and it feels like, again, with her permission, I might put some of the piano music in this sure, podcast, yeah. because it that felt like you, it just, yeah, it, it was so beautiful. It was, it was so beautiful. And it was really a, a really super special part of this. And she and I have talked about this since then. It's, it's, again, it's rare to have a completely new experience. And again, to my listeners, if you're thinking about this, be careful. Read up on it. You know, um, Tim and Michael Pollan talk about having a guide for the experience. Have you heard of this?
1: Yeah. So I think Timothy Leary. No, he's a comedian. No, wait. Timothy Leary. Timothy
0: is Leary is the LSD guy. Okay,
1: yeah. So I think what he said is, you have three people, ideally. And this is f- from my friend Duncan, who reads up on him a lot and then tells me. So I I, it might be someone else or it might not be quite accurate. But here's what I've got in my head. You have three people, and you can be groups of them. But one person is completely sober, mm-hmm. and they make sure if shit goes wrong, if a burglar does come in, like we need someone who actually can handle this. You know, right. or if the fire department comes up, we need you to evacuate. A fully functioning having, person. Yeah. There's, there's been a fucking who, whatever. Whose filters are working. Yes. Yeah.
0: Who's, who's not seeing the yeah. eternal form yeah. of everything. and
1: then the rest of you who are tripping can trust that guy. Right. And then what you also want to have is somebody taking a regular dose of mushrooms, or acid, or whatever, what you and, and Mel did. Um, and then you want to have someone who's taking a heroic dose, which will probably be five to ten times what you guys took. Wow. And then what you would act as is the translator. Because that guy is gone who took 10, who, someone who took.
0: The normal mushroom guy is the translator translator Uh who can
1: then talk to the guide. Let's say I was the guide. Uh you were the, you were the translator. And then Mel took 18 grams. Right. Instead of you guys probably took two. Took 18 to 20 grams. And she is out there and she's seeing stuff that I probably have never seen. And she can't express it to me because I'm sober, but she can maybe express it to you and maybe you can express it to me. Okay. So you can keep her company out there. Uh, That's interesting. And then I'm keeping you company in here. What do you, one, have you taken a heroic dose? No. Okay. And what, what do you usually
0: do? What, what's your usual setup? Do you have a completely sober person? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Right.
1: Uh-uh. But I'm not taking that level. That dose is experimental to me. Right. That's like you're looking for. So my friend Shane Moss um, got real into this stuff. And I think he he went a little crazy actually, but he took DMT I think every day for a month, um, which that's like, I mean, that's nuts. And then he started covering his body in Syrian rue, something like that, that holds the psychedelics in. So like if it's supposed to come out of your pores, he covers himself so it doesn't, so it just keeps going back in there. Mm -hmm. And he had a bit of a breakdown. But he took it to levels that I don't know if anyone's taken it to. And he stopped seeing what reality was and what wasn't. But he's okay now. It took him a while, though. Yeah. But he went, I mean, I've never heard of anyone taking that level of, of drugs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to take that level. Do
0: you remember how much you gave us? Did you give us two each or two total?
1: I probably gave you two grams each. Okay. Uh, I probably gave you, if I'm thinking, that's how much I would dose a, a, a new person who wanted a real trip. Right. Two to two and a half grams, depending. Because the difference between one gram and two grams is a nice light buzz versus a trip mm-hmm. So between two grams and three grams is a trip and a heavier trip gotcha so it's a bigger difference you know three grams and four grams not much difference five and eight like not much difference but not tripping to tripping is like a big deal so it, you don't want to take too little so two grams you should take
0: gotcha well, it was perfect it was such a great it was like one of the best days of last year did
1: you, know? you have waves that like, coming in and coming out of it
0: i'd say so yeah, yeah. um But it was just, it was so unique and it was so, because Mel and I um, were doing it for the first time at the same time, it was just, it was this socialized thing. You know, it was was sort of like a team approach to things. Um, And it was more of an adventure because we were trying to figure out what was happening.
1: Could you, so like, I remember one of my first times, it was sort of similar setup. The condo in in La Jolla Comedy Store has a condo, it's on the beach. So like they have a back porch and it's like, you can like lightly throw a stone and you'll hit the beach or definitely the boardwalk. Um, so we went out there, then we came back into home base. And I remember being in the home base in the in the condo, and us all like on the floor in different places, and then just like leaving, like being gone mentally, gone.
0: And you're on seeing mushrooms. stuff about
1: my place in the world, and okay. like and like what my what I'm actually doing as a stand-up, like how I'm reaching people, and what I'm doing, what my responsibility is, and then like coming, at, but like not all your senses are kind of shut off. You're just in your mind. You know, like you ever daydream and someone's like, hey, you're staring at me. Like, yeah. oh, I wasn't even looking at you. Yeah, My eyes were just open, but like, I'm, I'm right. in my brain. So it was like that. And then when you come out of it, if one of your friends comes out of it at the same time, you are like, oh, so dude, it's kind of like we're all, and they're like, right? Yes. And they're like, and then you kind of, and you're like, yeah, exactly. And you sort of speak the same language mm-hmm. because you're both on it, but it's this wave where you're down, you can communicate. And then we felt like, oh shit, I'm going away again. Like, see you in five minutes.
0: Right, that actually helps explain a, a little bit what we we're experiencing, too, because it felt like we we were we were, um, we were sort of in analytical mode and an experiential mode, okay. And so there were times when and, and actually we weren't always synced because right. Mel was much better at articulating what she was feeling than I was. I was just having a good time. and so she would she was saying very smart things I've, I've written some of them down, yeah. but they're actually the, the sort of things that like Michael Pollan Wrote in his book, where she's basically saying, "I'm seeing everything in this room context-free. It's I'm seeing it for the beauty that it is, and I'm just wondering if I can bring this back, you know." What do you mean? What do you mean? In in a non-drug experience, if if on a a normal day, if she can see her house, see all these objects, like yeah, things are good here. And so while she was talking, I was sort of giggling at her, like I was appreciating it, but it just seemed. like it struck me as one it struck me as drug talk so I was feeling a little self-conscious and then two I just loved the sounds and the sound of her voice and the sound of the piano that it sort of made me giggly and I kept having to apologize because she was being much smarter than me but I was giggling at it because I was just enjoying it so much you know so she said um, there's a couple things she said when we're when we're engaging in this non, and one of these things she wrote down on a card, right? So like her cards, my card said things like, fuck you Ari, this is amazing. Or it feels good just to write <laughs> shit down. <laughs> while, she, while she was actually making sense of the situation. So she What do you mean
1: card? Like a, like a note card? A note card, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and actually the note cards at the, when I, at the peak of the high, the note cards, the white note card was a million colors. I would look at it and it was as if it was this. Wow. I, I actually asked Mel, is this, where, what color is this? Like I was asking her because it was like, almost like a silvery rainbowy sort of texture uh, on the card. Um, and it had ceased being white. Like I was seeing so- That's like, weird
1: too, when you have to ask like, wait, can you show me what your senses are saying? Because I'm, I'm not trusting mine right now.
0: Yeah. And so I think- I remember I was, this being white. I, I was seeing, I was looking at white, but I saw the whole spectrum. So for whatever reason, my brain was breaking down this white oh. into multiple colors. Um, and so she said, when we're engaging in this non hyper reality, when we're engaging in non hyper reality she's so saying when we 're not you doing mushrooms, um, everything is in context um, like everything is contextual. She repeated herself a little bit um, I like, that. like you yeah. can you, like um, you can't have the other person without also thinking about what's being said and what's all around, but what we're doing right now is we're isolating these elements so So she was saying that you can see this chair or this plant or you can hear this song as if it's the only thing in the universe and nothing makes you happier than looking at the design of this chair and just thinking how genius it is that somebody made this beautiful chair.
1: Right. And not like, oh, this chair goes well with this stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah, look at this. Yeah.
0: Or even looking at the plant and thinking it's such a miracle that this plant has grown. Uh, I interrupted you. What were you going to say?
1: I had this velvet Elvis painting I had got at a yard sale in Maryland that I moved with a couple times in LA, and coming down off a trip or on a trip, I remember looking at it, and it was five bucks at the yard sale. It's not great. It's cheesy and it was priced correctly. It's a velvet Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean that's the that, that is the standard for what you know cheese dick art is. Yeah. And I remember looking at the white of his eye in this painting, and. Like when I look at your white eye, it's almost like it wasn't colored. You know, it's just the white, that's that's just naturally. But this was like someone had to take paint and put white on a black canvas. And I was just thinking about this person who did that and was like just full of beauty. It was like somebody cared enough to very lightly put white onto an eyeball and then pull back a little bit to make this Elvis look right in this wooden frame. And like someone did this. Someone made. It's not just something you bought. Someone made this.
0: Well, well, in a way, you were thinking a-historically about representational art. There's a time when human beings maybe didn't make representational art. Somebody had to think, "We're going to paint a bison on this cave wall," you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think you, the mushroom experience takes you back to to original forms. Is that you really appreciate everything, for exactly what it is? And so I'm staring at this succulent plant, and. I'm just so happy by how the light shines through its its leaves and how it has grown in this shape, in this color, and what a, like what a miracle that is. And that we got to this it, place in in a way you can't think about that all the time, or else you'd never get anything done, right? I mean, I'm pointing this chair in this living room where we're in in New York, but in Los Angeles there was a specific chair that I remember just being so grateful for that chair and and just the genius and 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 the beauty and design that went into that chair um or or the music music was was it wasn't even intellectual that just gripped me emotionally you know and the fact that sometimes when when mel was in the show i was also in the show but because i was mostly watching mel was sort of the star of the show and i call it the show because that's what i called it in real time i just kept saying this is the show keep talking and she would talk, and it would make me happy. Not necessarily because she was saying, even though she was saying smart things, but because she was talking. And sometimes her she would her face would take on a certain color if she would talk, and, you know, with a, with a certain volume. And so um, I don't know if that counts as like a hallucination, or if I was just seeing. Well, then, then there's like five D that somehow she gl- she was glowing, and I was glowing, and we were seeing. Maybe 5D is the wrong word, like in 3D. I think sometimes when we look at people, we don't look at every aspect of them. No, you don't. Um, we sort of, you know, I'm, I'm looking at almost everything in this room in 2D. You know, it's not, I'm not, my task here isn't to look. It's, yep. it's, yeah. it's to have a conversation. And so suddenly this person who's been my friend for years, I saw her in full resolution, hyper real 3D. I call it 5D, but it's just hyper real 3D. And I could see her her face, and I was just so fascinated by how how she was put together as a human being, you know?
1: I just sometimes, when you look at, like, a real pretty person, model, or, or um, I mean, I look at women more, but if you're into men, then same thing. But, like, you look at a pretty person, and you're like, wow, they're pretty. But then sometimes you look at them again, like, a little harder, especially if they're not looking back at you, and you're like, the way your nose and your eyes come together. And sometimes you're like, oh, you're actually kind of ugly or plain. You're the same as everybody. You have these two eyes and the same... Pretty much spot this nose in the same spot as everyone else has it, and this mouth where, it, and then you just stop seeing this form of like a pretty person, and you look a little deeper at them, and you're like, meh,
2: hmm.
1: they're actually not that pretty because hmm. you stop seeing them as this like model, right? I, I don't, I don't quite, and then, so, and then in a second later, it's like back to like, oh, that's a pretty person again, but there's moments, and then vice versa, where I'll see like sort of a universally agreed upon ugly friend of mine, and you look at him in a different light, and you're like, that guy's pretty good looking, actually. That's sort of what this was. Um, I've known
0: Mel long enough that I just you see, see Mel. Yeah. She, she's like a shorthand person. Yeah. But suddenly she was in her eternal form. Yeah, it might it be so... celebrity
1: models. Maybe it's that, where it's oh, like okay. people that I'm used to seeing all the time, right. like Cindy Crawford. And then in a certain angle, it's like,
0: oh, I, no. I think I've done that before. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so with Mel, too, I'm sure, like, I'm friends, friends. You don't even see her details anymore. It's just right. Mel.
0: Yeah. And then suddenly it's like there's just sort of this exquisiteness. And we, we buttered each other up so much yeah. because we were so excited about, well, everything looked beautiful. But then suddenly we looked beautiful too and we were in the show. And then we talked about wanting to have sure. a shroom cam, you know, yeah. so we could, we could carry it through. And, and she took out her camera and I actually took, I, I'm like, this, these are this your author photos. And I took these photos that in my mind were perfect. And then the next day we looked at them and it's like, yeah, we're going to throw these
1: away. <laughs> That's the thing with the notepad. It's like, you'll get a couple gems in there, but mostly it's like, what? Yeah. What the, that doesn't mean anything. And maybe you're missing what your meaning was because you didn't write it well enough for yourself. Yeah. To like decipher.
0: Well, I, I wrote bullshit.
1: You right. know, I wrote I, wrote trash talk to you. That's funny. Fuck you, Ari. This is great. <laughs> what a great. What did that mean? Fuck you. And then this is and then positive.
0: Well, I think ba- a, a gratitude or gratefulness was a big part of my day and. I think at my most intense moments during the mushroom high, I was just grateful for life. It was very simple. And, And it's in the podcast. When you gave me the mushrooms, you were so excited for me because I was doing it for the first time, right? You were excited by the idea of doing this experience for the first time. And so I'm grateful for that. And again, listeners, if you decide to do it for the first time, make sure that you do it in a rational way. Um, follow some rules. Uh, take care. N- n- know that as of now, this is this is not legal. But um, I had a very pure existential epiphany of gratitude. Again, it was as if I was, and apparently they use mushrooms for like end of life psychology type stuff. But it, it was as if I was ninety years old on my deathbed, and I was just so happy to have lived. And so gratitude suffused me. I think that's why I was crying. You know, and I was thinking of people like you know my mom and other people close to me, that I was also grateful that they were alive. But then I was also grateful. I was I was grateful for my friend Mel and for this chair and for this succulent plant. That somehow the 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 key. And again, this is narrative. Like I'm telling the story. It Five does do later, that
1: where where you get to look way forward into the future looking back on yourself in this moment so it's not like you looking at this moment it's like you and but you can fully imagine a 75 year old version of yourself mm-hmm. and then instead of analyzing where that guy is it's you're in that guy's head looking back at the 48 year old version of your 47 probably the time version of yourself going like oh what a great time that was and you're like then all of a sudden you're like i'm in that great time yeah i'm actually doing it right now
0: yeah like, so this is, a, this is not a unique thing?
1: I don't think so. Because as you say it, it's like, it, like, it like strikes chords for me though. I'm like, oh yeah. So I just talked to this guy who rode across the Atlantic, like okay. physically. And um, I talked to him two weeks after he we got back. And as we were, it was an interview, and as we were talking, he got this like faraway look that I've seen travelers get it too, where it's like, while you're doing it, you're not quite as like, I can't believe it. But then like, and you wrote this in, in Vagabonding, where like people aren't gonna like, be as into it as you are. Right. But like, as you're talking about it, you're like, wow, that was a great time. Oh yeah, I did take a moped from fucking that town to that town, having no idea where I was gonna sleep. And you get this far away, look, and now that is you in the future looking back on yourself. Right. You're now here in the future.
0: In a way, that's what appreciation is,
1: maybe. Mm-hmm. Can you step outside yourself and see how cool this moment is, Yeah. you yeah. know?
0: Because I think we appreciate so many things retrospectively.
1: Or oh, like, I wrote a book. Right. Who gets to write a book? Yeah. Look at yourself as a 10-year-old looking forward and as a 70-year-old looking back yeah. and be like, what would they think of this dude in this moment right now? I do stand-up comedy 15 times a week. Yeah. But if I can one time go like, hey, I'm about to fucking entertain these tourists yeah. who are going to a fucking New York comedy show and I'm the one they're seeing. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah. You can't do it all the time, but like, if you can, That's what Mushrooms does. makes it fresh.
0: I actually had self-consciousness about this because I sort of knew you as a comedian, but before I'd seen you perform. Uh So when you performed at my book event last year, it was just so delightful. What I was afraid, and Jesus Christ, there must be some sort of civic emergency (laughs) going on right in New York right now. Um, What happened is, you know, it's just like, I like Ari. What if he's not good? Like, what if I don't laugh?
1: Oh, that would suck.
0: And then you were sort of the headliner of my souvenir event, and it was just so delightful to hear you do what you do and hear it, to hear it for the first time. It's like, oh shit, Ari is funny. This is great. It's a travel story, that's it's funny. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, and so I think on your behalf, I was that person. Like I was able to appreciate you, someone I'd already known in another context. Right, because suddenly
1: it's like, he's trying to do comedy. Cal- like, right. But luckily he's trying means he's 16, 17 years in. Right. But like when your friends, when you try to do comedy, cal- your friends like, I hope you're going to be okay. And right. you weren't okay. Right. You might have had one joke, so it was like, cool, right. you did it. Yeah, you're saying, your friend going, oh, good luck. And it's like, oh, but I just matrixed this. I just right. downloaded 17, 18 years of fucking experience.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's it. Of course you were good. But, but a part of somehow, and you know, maybe my doubts that you weren't good weren't realistic, yeah. But somehow while I no, was watching you, <laughs> I was while I was watching you I was fully in. I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch you do comedy in that sense. Again, one I was sitting right next to you, but two, it was like, yeah, yeah. So I think this is something that might happen in um a mushroom or other drug experience or psychedelic experience, and it also happens in travel. Because oftentimes like I've been I've been raving about Sumatra. Uh, I traveled to Four major places this winter, Su- uh, Sumatra, Sri Lanka, Dubai, and Georgia. I talk about Sumatra the most.
1: Georgia-Russia? Georgia-Russia,
0: Georgia,
1: yeah. Um, you t- yeah, you talk about Sumatra for sure. I, I didn't even d- know you went to Georgia. I knew you went to Sri Lanka and well, Sumatra.
0: That was the last place I went, and uh, it, was, it was good. And Georgia was great, but it was a little bit colder, and I was still That's processing Sumatra. This, this is an aside. We can talk about travel some other time, but it was like my 20-year anniversary journey this winter. Um, of my first Asian vagabonding trip, wow. right? Wow. And, and during that vagabonding trip, I literally wrote, wrote vagabonding. Like I traveled for two and a half years and I stopped and wrote vagabonding while I was still overseas, while I was in Thailand. Um, but what was I talking about? The...
1: Um, processing things while you're doing them. Let's see, seeing me on stage, being good.
0: Oh, travel, travel oh, as travel a way, has, yeah, has a, appreciating, uh, mm-hmm. appreciating travel. Um, that basically, I rave about Sumatra because so many amazing things happen. We, I was raving about it before we turned, hit record, right? Yeah. Um, Sumatra's a hard place to travel. There was a lot of long bus rides and, and um, when, when I was in, in, in Sibirut Island, this amazing tribal place, there was a lot of smelly pigs and, and I was sweating all the time. But, so in retrospect, I think I appreciated it in a purer way than when I was experiencing
1: it in real time. Um, and so because I f- you look back, like, that was a cool detail actually. Exactly, yeah. I'm staying in a hut in a Corong, I think, or something, and it was like, I mean, it wasn't even it was my friends, they had a frog in their, in their um, bathroom, they named it, and it was like, kind of funny, but at first like, oh, it's a fucking big bullfrog, just, and you know, there was slats to the floor where obviously they could get in and out and lukewarm water uh, as a drip, but it's fine, it was the beach, you know. And then later it sounds way more romantic. In the moment it's like, ugh, I gotta worry about this frog. And then later it's like, wow, what a cool, fun detail for this place you stayed.
0: Because it gave you a but story. But yeah, you're
1: sweating, you're like, it's so hot, but you're like, that, that part
0: goes out. So maybe that's what one thing that mushroom, the mushroom experience can give you is that it, it puts that narrative in real time.
1: Um, you can see it from it, the outside in and be like, guys, whoever's doing this trip, it's cool that you got a fucking frog in your bathroom. Right, Don't right. be mad about it. This, is fucking, this will be cool in a book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, there's that emotional intensity to it, too, you know, that it's not just acknowledging the beauty of the moment or the, the weirdness of the frog, but it's just being so happy that, it, that you were able to experience that, you know? Yeah. That, that it's not just, I don't know, Maybe 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 there's slight differences, because I would imagine the, the psilocybin experience, you would think
1: about the beauty of the frog, and, and you would project right. things and onto the frog like, itself. not like, what a fun time I'm having. Yeah. yeah. Travel does do a lot, you're right though, of what mushrooms would do. Well actually, I had
0: some travel experiences in Sumatra actually, where the mushroom experience gave me perspective on seeing things while you I was did traveling. You mushrooms
1: before you went traveling, yeah.
0: Right, so I did the mushrooms in October, I was traveling in Sumatra in January, and I remember leaving this beach. I told you about it before we hit record. It was it was this isolated beach where I spent five days and swam out to an island every day. And we were coming back on the boat. And the boat, the motor wasn't working very well, so we were going really slow. And then I started looking at the paint. There was like several layers of paint had peeled off and just how accidentally beautiful it was. And I was looking at the light on the water. Basically, I was... I. I was sort of bored because the boat was not going as fast as it should have been. And it made
1: you look around at your surroundings. And and I
0: realized this is like Mel's living room. Like all of a sudden I'm seeing little little glimpses of eternal forms. I'm really seeing the beauty of this peeling paint. I'm really seeing how amazing it is that this water is rippling like it is. And so travel is an ongoing um, experience of contexts that are not familiar, right? And so... Um, yeah. And so what happened during my mushroom experience is that it took contexts that were familiar or familiar enough. I've been at Mel's house a few times um, and having me see them as if they were new, right? So in a way, travel is a great metaphor for, for the drug experience because it's constant newness. It's, it's, it's contexts that are not familiar. And so in a way, and maybe I'm, maybe you've had different experiences on mushrooms, but what I was experiencing in in Mel's living room and backyard, was just seeing all of these things, these normal things, including my friend Mel and myself in the mirror, as if seeing them for the first time or as if really appreciating them in their eternal form and beauty, you know? And maybe the reason why we spent so much time talking about how handsome and beautiful we were is because those are the only words we have to describe this eternal form. You know, that maybe it wasn't that I was Captain America, or, or whatever. Is that we were trying to explain our eternal form? That we were seeing ourselves as three-dimensional
1: humans, and and really, you're probably thinking like, "Wow, humans are gorgeous," and here's one of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So he's the only one in here right now. But like, wow, they're really made up in an interesting, cool way. And it, and just the miracle of what humans can do. Yeah, you could scratch your knee, like yeah. little things of like you don't have to like rub against a post to scratch. Yeah, It's just like, wow, this all really has worked out you never see normally.
0: It is. And, and this is why you can't be high all the time, I think, because, otherwise, because you have to contextualize things to get things done. And so um, it would have been interesting if, if I'd talked to you the day after this yeah. had happened, mm-hmm. as opposed to five months later, because I've read Michael Pollan's book, for example, and even though I'm trying to make a separation, because I, I feel like a lot of what Pollan described is not what I experienced. And then I've, you know I've listened to Tim, to Tim talk about it on podcasts, but Tim is much more serious. This was this was a and this was coached by you. You know you're you're not Tim yeah. Ferriss, you're Ari Shafir, You know you're a comedian and, and you do Shroom Fest. You're, you don't. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so and it's like the spiritual stuff is great, like I said, but like that's not the normal shroom, most of the time. It's just laughing your ass off with your friends.
0: And it, there was an ex, a spiritual experience in that I was being grateful for my life in a way that's great. that could, that's could what be that's deemed the, spiritual. Yeah. But I also laughed a lot, and, and my dear friend Mel, I would laugh, she would be saying really smart things about what we were experiencing, and I was laughing just because I enjoyed her voice. But like,
1: describe that kind of laughter.
0: I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I can. It, it was part, it, it's hard to describe because I don't usually analyze my laughter, uh-huh. and laughter, you're a comedian, so laughter is your is your profession maybe, and, and, and there's, certain, there's a science to laughter, like there's a certain, Oftentimes, jokes are said to be a... Um, it's when you subvert the obvious conclusion and you find something a more absurd or a more uh, incongruous way. You know, it's like... Yeah, Mixed it up. Jack Lemon dresses up as a woman. A man dresses as a woman. It's like that's the, not what I'm
1: used to. It's, it's for babies, almost, it, where it's right. like... O-o-o-o. the baby's like, that's not a normal person. Yeah. They don't normally make that sound, so they laugh. So they it's laugh, Out right. of the ordinary.
0: And so, so yeah. So, so, um, so what happened is that I think there were several layers to the laughter that happened when I was listening to Mel speak. One is that I enjoyed sonically as a sense her voice, just like I enjoyed her playing the piano. And that sort of gave me a tickle inside. It sort of vibrated in my being. I was also quite self-conscious. You put two writers in a room together and they're gonna be analyzing things and taking notes. And so I also was a little bit nervous that this was a two on the nose drug experience, is that her way of of articulating what was happening, s- sounded like maybe it was too much of a thoughtful person trying to describe a drug experience. So it was it was like the meta uh-huh. thing. So I was worried. I was worried. Basically, I was worried that when we were sober, it wouldn't be as awesome as it was, and maybe there was something absurd about. Maybe, maybe this was generic, and then and then also I don't know, just like the love in the room. There was there was something else. So sort of the the joy of the experience, and like I haven't properly done mushrooms again. This is five months ago, and
1: you've I, improperly done them.
0: I have not at all. No, I haven't done them at all. Okay. Well, no, actually, a listener, um, God bless him, gave me some mushrooms. Um, hey, where? Uh, he was traveling across America, and so I met him in Kansas, and we hung out, and he gave me some mushrooms, and I used them for more, more microdose type stuff, and I fucked up my microdosing, I think, and so in retrospect, I should have just taken a normal dose in some sort of context. But I tried to divide them into microdoses. But then for reasons that I won't go in too far here, I just I just messed up. I was too distracted. I, I should have been much more structured with the microdose experiment experience. I don't know if you have an experience with with microdosing, but I, oh boy, I'd listened yeah. to some podcasts about microdosing and I just wanted to experiment and I figured it would be as easy, seemingly easy as what our first exper- experience was. But then I think I was doing things, the, the dose was so slight that I was doing things that were sort of trampling uh, the microdose.
1: I think that's what microdosing, I, I seem to have this different than everyone else, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, though. Is Microdose is not a small dose of mushrooms. Microdose is below the efficable amount of mushrooms. So the only equivalent I can make it is like every day, putting your finger in whiskey, licking your finger, and uh-huh. then that's it. Okay, like You can't get drunk off that. But okay. if you do that enough days after a week or two, and then from then on, it's you, supposed to like reset your neural pathways. So instead of going this way, it has to go, kind of go around this like new mushroom roadblock that you've slowly built up. Okay. But you don't feel the mushrooms, you just start thinking differently. But most people seem to say microdosing is taking a small dose of mushrooms, which that's just party levels. That's okay. a cap and a stem where I'm like, I got a good buzz on, but I'm not going to go away. Uh-huh. But I can, I can be more interested in the dumb people's conversation, you know. That's a s- small. I don't know what that would be called, but I don't think that's microdosing.
0: If I, if I microdose again,
1: I think it's I'm, like over a two or three month I'm, period. I
0: actually, it's weirdly enough, I might need a coach for microdosing more than what we did. Yeah. Um, because and and so so that was one thing. Uh, uh God bless my listener Sean, who gave me some some great mushrooms, but I, I feel like I sort of wasted them. Okay. But um, yeah. And the other reason I haven't done it is that the the first experience was so good. Yeah. I don't know if I can top it. Yeah. It was, and. The Malcolm. first time I did them,
1: I didn't do them again for a year or two years after that. Okay. I was like, what? I mean, I was just still thinking about that one.
0: And was this the beach apartment experience? Or was it? Uh... No. Okay.
1: Uh, it was me and my friend Pete. I had taken one actually at that beach place years before, but a little bit and then watched TV. my friend was like, come outside. I was like, it's fine. I just wasn't going with it. And it only really got me when I was in the front of the mirror by myself. But, but the first one, we went to Santa Monica Boardwalk, the pier not the pier. excuse me, the uh, promenade. Uh-huh. When we were going to see a movie, we got freaked out, we went to see a different movie, and then he left. Um, this is your first time? My first real mushroom okay. time, yeah. He got scared and, and took off uh-huh. and, and got back together with his awful ex-girlfriend for six months. <laughs> like, it didn't work out great for him. But like, uh, um, and just walking around feeling sad, texting people, how I felt bad that their dad died, or, or texting, i just getting into my car and be like, I'm not going anywhere yet. This um, was you? Yeah. You were, you were feeling just, sad. Like, just four people. Okay. My friend's dad had died hiking okay. two years earlier, three years earlier, and okay. I was just like, hey man, I never really expressed to you how, and then the next day he's like, well, were you on something yesterday? I was like, yeah, that's what I mean by leave your phone oh, off. okay. Right. And it was okay what I said, but also like, you're also making another person think about their dad again. Right. It's maybe not the best time, and maybe sometimes it's girlfriends, ex-girlfriends you don't wanna to talk to. And instead of saying like, we should be friends again, you were, it's like, mm, this might actually hurt you tomorrow when you don't want to be friends with her. Right. Uh, she did fuck your brother, you know? It's like, <laughs> kinda, yeah, actually, I cut her off for a reason. Um, but just texting my friends of like, hey, you, you actually have a really good delivery style that I've never, I, I had that thought in my head, of like I need to be more complimentary to other comedians. And so then I would just do that.
0: But it, like- This occurred to you on your first?
1: On my first big mushroom okay. trip. Okay. But getting scared of being on the promenade, like looking at everything, getting kind of scared of the reality of the world, or it's just too much. But safe in my car in the parking garage, it was like, all right, this is okay. And now I just have thoughts. I don't know why I got into that just now. Well, well,
0: I was talking about how great my first experience. It was so singular and so powerful and so good that I'm afraid that it won't be as cool. Yeah.
1: So, so the next one was that one at at the beach, and that was probably a year to two years after that. Okay, so even um, because like, I didn't it, need it,
0: it sounds like it was a little bit mixed. You, it wasn't just one big joyful run into the universe your first time on mushrooms. That you were thinking about lots of stuff, and yeah, it was, yeah. so,
1: and, and then we changed the settings too. So I went to see this movie with Johnny Depp and the chick from Inception. Yeah. Cotillard, whatever her name is, and they were in some movie about maybe John Dillinger or something like that. Uh-huh. And the movie was fine. I kept falling asleep and waking up. I actually did a bit about it. Me and my friend did a bit about it together. That's on YouTube. Okay. I'm thinking I pissed myself. Just was positive I pissed my pants. <laughs> I had to go outside and look because I couldn't. I had just had my coke in between my legs, and right. the coldness was like I for sure pissed. Right. Right. And then going out to look in the light, I'm like, no, I don't see a piss stain. But then start thinking like, what if I pissed so much that it's covered the jeans, so there wouldn't be a piss stain? It's all piss. And just like, I don't and just out there in the lobby of the, of the, <laughs> And this is during your smelling. first mushroom experience? Yeah. Okay. But then at the end of the movie, everyone's leaving. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm being in line with these people and seeing this, what I took as some 16, 17 year old kid, 18 year old kid with his grandparents and they got up and they were just talking about the movie, four rows and three seats over. Um, and just crying because like it's just so beautiful that this kid is spending time with his huh. grandparents and like huh. clearly are friends and that's so nice and my grandparents are dead and I wish I could have this where I actually go see a movie with them and talk about the movie with my grandparents. Interesting. And then like well, I got to go, they're cleaning the movie theater.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, yeah.
0: It's amazing how different your experience was. I mean, yours was free range. Mine was very free contained. Free range,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that next one that was like outside in the, in the beach and then right back in, mostly in, that was more contained. right? But the set and setting people always talk about, it really makes a difference.
0: And so just for my listeners, explain what that means. I don't
1: fully know. Okay. I, keep, I hear about it constantly, but I think it means like, I don't know if there's any set and setting, but in real words, no transit but in real word, the whole phrase means be careful who you're with okay. and what your situation is. So right. you don't want to do right. it on a roof with no balcony because you're const with no uh, railing, because you're right. constantly being scared, oh shit, I might fall off. That's a right. bad setting. Right. This apartment, or Mel's house, sounds wonderful. I'm in a nice place right. where if I smash something, nobody's gonna be really worried. You know what I mean? If I accidentally break something, it's Mel going, don't worry about it. Um, and you're with a friend who's a friend. Right. You know? Right. Um, my friend Pete uh, Holmes uh, talked about this, where he had his first bad trip, and he goes, he was with a girl he kinda liked, but hadn't done anything with and a guy he knew, but not that well. So he's trying to sort of still in that, I'm trying to impress you mode and that's, you're not fully at ease.
0: It's, it's interesting how I thought at first I thought, oh, it's too bad Ari can't be here for this. Or yeah, I think I said in the podcast, we should get Tim Ferriss. We should do mushrooms with Tim Ferriss. And I'm glad that I didn't do it with either one of you guys yeah. because you would have been the authority yeah. and I would have filtered everything I was experiencing through you. Yeah. Um, and same same thing with Tim. And there even may have been a, sort of a nervousness, like I, I would have been afraid to, to do something wrong, sort of thing. You know? Yeah, and
1: you will always be looking at that guy, looking at you. That's why when yeah. my friends are like, "We don't do mushrooms. We're sober. We're just doing with you and watch you guys." I'm like, "No, no one on mushrooms needs someone watching them, right. <laughs> laughing. Like oh they're going through that. And and in their head, they're probably like, "I remember doing mushrooms. How funny this." But in your head, you're like, "What? Am I doing something wrong? Why are you looking yeah. at me? Why are you laughing at me?" Yeah. And, and it's just not, it's counterintuitive to what you think. And this is why,
0: this is why when I was recently, I think I was listening to the Tim Ferriss, Michael Pollan interview, and they were talking about having guides for psychedelic experiences. And maybe it wasn't specific to mushrooms. I was just thinking, I wouldn't have wanted my first one to be guided. No. The fact that I was with another noob, a dear friend, uh, in a contained space, it was just, it was just perfect.
1: Tim know? was a little worried when I was like, I'm getting you to do mushrooms. And... Um, he talks at it really more analytical and, and um, treatment wise than I do. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not sure about that. And I want, I want to be like, Tim, I get it, but fucking calm down. <laughs> like, well, I wondered, because your,
0: your interview with him has not appeared. Yeah. And I've been checking. You know, yeah. I wanna, I... It'll be
1: out in April. Let's just say that. Okay. I keep going, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then I realize, like, oh shit, this guy actually took time and I haven't put it out yet.
0: So, so about, the, about the same time that this probably drops, uh, Ari's uh, interview yeah. with Tim. And it's interesting because I know both of you guys, and so I I, I keep checking to see when it will appear. And a part of me thought this when when Tim explained to me just sort of his rationale for why his concern if if I was going to have my post-Ari mushroom experience conversation with him. The reason I was going to talk with him is that he is more analytical, you know, and that he didn't give me the mushrooms, and that he might be able to have some insights that I hadn't thought of. But he made a good point that if he's trying to normalize this and if he's trying to make psychedelics something that is used as a treatment for depression and addiction maybe you know rolf giggling while his friend mel plays a piano isn't something he should talk about yeah that's a thing and so i thought maybe he'd asked you to not post the interview i thought maybe you guys covered some ground that maybe he thought would have been counter no it really
1: was just like i slowed way down on my podcast after i recorded because i was doing some traveling and like I was just like, I'm not taking time out of my awesome travels to spend eight hours in Berlin, fucking, you know, uh, editing and right. I'm just not doing this. So listeners, sorry, but like I'm having a good time right now.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's going to drop. And did yeah. you talk about, you, you, Almost you, exclusive. Wanted, you wanted I to in, talk about travel. With them. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I've gotten a little better at this from my podcast is to, when I see a new moment to abandon my predisposition, and you gotta do this for travel, too. Yeah. Like, hey, that, well, that, that ferry stopped running three years ago. You can't be like, but I came here to this port town for this ferry. You're like, yeah, yeah. but again, it stopped running three years ago, so what do you, we can't help you.
0: And but there's a nice
1: restaurant there if you wanna like, let go of what your, your old thoughts and enjoy this new totally, restaurant. Totally, totally. Um, and it's hard to do, so when, let's say we were talking about whatever, and suddenly you start, I realize you're an expert on tea. I'm like, eh, maybe drop what I had before about Kansas. And let's talk about tea because it just naturally went into that. Like, why stop it when this awesome new thing is happening? So with Tim, yeah, for sure. I went in for travel. We got into a little bit of it and then I'm like, oh, you're you're a modern hippie. You're like, oh, interesting. And I was proud of myself for like going into that.
0: And so you guys dove deep.
1: Yeah, we did a little travel stuff, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we went deep into that. And he really used it as like as that map stuff, as that treatment stuff. I mean, he talks about going to Burning Man and being like a, a guide for those people and helping them through these moments, these dark moments in our life and what to tell them. Because a lot of it's like, if you're there, you're like, no, no, you're going to be okay. It's like, but you have to realize when you're tripping out, it's like, of course you medical guy's going to say I'm going to be okay. But, so instead he told me about like, just say positive thoughts. Don't tell them how to feel, Okay.
0: okay. but just
1: tell them like, man, sure is nice weather out here. And like. Yeah, it is. Maybe you're not trying to control me, actually. It is nice weather, and then you start talking about weather, and then now they're not thinking about somebody holding them down in a gurney. Right. And now they're thinking about you. Just get out of that way of thinking.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beyond my purview too. Yeah, he's a
1: treatment guy.
0: A treat, which which is different. Which it makes sense that I didn't make him a part of this interview because um, mine wasn't treatment. That it wasn't. The idea of a traumatized person using this is a different category than how I experienced it. Yeah. And I'll reiterate that it wasn't a frivolous experience. I mean, it was a little goofy. You came out of your podcast interview and you gave me some mushrooms and I took them in a the house. <laughs> yeah. and, and we weren't, we, we, it wasn't focused on anything. I mean, it, oh, it the was Oh, and we found them. I forgot about
1: that. Texting, i like, I think I got them. Yep, <laughs> I got him, they're, they're coming to us. Yeah, we, you, my,
0: my last, last episode of season one is actually live broadcast of a mushroom deal. That's right. And then, then, we, then I got them, was it the next day? It must have been the next day. And then, and so, hmm. so it was not somehow, again, somehow it ended up being a, a perfect experience for me, but had, it was not connected to any negative experiences, you know, that you know, maybe I was thinking about mortality in a certain sense, but in, 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 in the mindset of gratitude. So that's another thing too, Like I wonder if, if I do another mushroom experience, will I s- feel gratitude in the same way? Well, maybe that's not the point. I don't know how this works, but maybe it isn't. You just recycle. There's some other
1: feeling you'll get. Well, that's it. Yeah. So my friends told me um, about, they have this theory they've taken from shrooms back into real life. And it says there are things that matter on mushrooms and things that don't matter on mushrooms. And you try to live your life that way. So like when you drop 20 bucks and you're looking at all, if I had a 20, did I give that guy a fucking 20 when I thought I gave him a, a one? Fuck. But on mushrooms, that shit does not matter. You're down twenty bucks. Like, it'll be like what oh well, I guess I gave him twenty. Me and Michelle Wolf were getting back from a concert, and um it was four of us going back into our my apartment. Um, soda and beater, and like and like uh we got out of this cab, there was dead stop traffic from in New York from I guess a garbage truck or something. We weren't going anywhere, we're half a block away. And we're like, let's walk, it's half a block, and it's nice out. And then her and I both felt bad about like, oh, we're leaving this cab and just stop the traffic. Like you can't work for the next five minutes, six minutes. And we gave him, where we come from, Brooklyn? Let's say it was $25. And it was like, uh, sorry about that. And I was like, I gave him a 20 as a tip, okay. which I, um, that's not me. right? <laughs> you know, right. I am closer to my cultural stereotype than not. right? Uh, and then she's like, oh yeah, and then she gave him 20. So this guy had a $25 fare, just made 40 extra bucks and it was like, eh, we'd rather just give him the money than feel bad, huh. and it doesn't matter. But yeah. if I saw a friend new to New York giving a guy a 20 on top of a $25, t- I'm like, no, 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 that's five tops, not 20, what are you doing? But it doesn't matter when you're on mushrooms, and if you can take that feeling back into your real life, things will be way clearer for you. We're like, this doesn't really matter.
0: It, it's if interesting. it wouldn't matter
1: on mushrooms, it wouldn't matter, real- now, your mom's dead, that'll matter when you're on mushrooms. You know? Okay. And that should also matter in real life.
0: Okay, right, yeah.
1: You know? But, like, make yourself not really care. I got a, oh, I got a tear in, a, in a, my nice throw pillow. It's like, that sucks, but you can get a new throw pillow. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, that's so, a, so that's the kind of stuff that would overlap with me and what Tim would be saying. Okay. I think you okay. can get these benefits out of it, uh-huh. but you don't go into it. Okay, with travel also. Like, the way you can talk to people, like, you can become who you really are. You can really see what you're capable of. Uh, I had this, this pair of flip-flops that like, broke in, that I got in Cambodia and Phnom Penh, and it was like, eh, I was gonna throw them out when I was in, in Indonesia. And I was like, oh no, don't forget, this took you fucking two days to find flip-flops your size. You need to learn oh, how yeah. to fix this. So instead I went on the hunt for super glue, yeah. and I fixed them. I would never fix flip-flops in America, yeah. but it showed me what I'm capable of. Meanwhile, that's not why I went into the travel. I'm in there for fun and adventure, and to see fucking those big lizards and whatever. While I'm having fun, I can grow as a human. Right. Same thing with mushrooms. I say, go have a good time, and then you can get the spiritual benefits from it, and the, and the medical, or whatever, brain benefits that Tim would talk about, but to me, you gotta go into it for the laughs.
0: Well, yeah, and, and, and travel too. Even academics have talked about how um, oftentimes, um, recreation or happiness or joy is seen as a frivolity. You know, people are so focused on like the political meaning or the mm-hmm. power imbalances or whatever that we forget that a lot of life, um, that that recreation and happiness and joy can be a serious part of life. You know, it's not just something that we guiltily indulge in while we're not being political. It's a part of how we all, you know, um, enjoy life. And I, I've talked in, in events before that um, if somebody's young and they want to travel say go for it, go party and enjoy yourself and odds are they'll get they'll get tired of partying after a while and they'll start throwing themselves into it's, the experience yeah. of what happens. If, if that's what gets you out do it because you, you're gonna enjoy, you're gonna find ways to enjoy yourself anyway, right? And so that's why I think um, and again, and there's a reason why Tim, you know, wants to be a, to walk a straight line on the therapy thing because it it involves, you know, political maneuvering and and stuff. And he can't, you know, he probably doesn't want to have two years down the line said, well, you, when when you interviewed Rolf and Rolf was talking about some frivolous thing, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with therapy, but, but, um, it's the same thing. We travel, having fun is a great pretext to travel, right? Um, having fun is a great pretext to do mushrooms, even though it carries a lot of other things. Yeah. Right? I mean,
1: if you're talking about the, the, the positive effects of marijuana, which is a easier to you know, handle drug, you know, especially in society and stuff. And now more and more it's become like, it's pretty much legal in a lot of places. And if you want to be like, actually can treat back pain. This, the, the cannabinoids in there can help you with back pain and stuff like that. You, you can't have Spicoli being your, <laughs> being your front man on that, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. that looks like a drug addict. You need someone being able to use the word cannabinoid, and not smoke weed, brah. You know. Right. So I think Tim is like really talking about like the those effects, and those people really have to separate the fun party time from that. But there's no way Tim. I don't believe he goes into one of those therapeutic trips without laughing his ass off on something. Right. I don't believe that doesn't go with it as well.
0: Maybe off the mic, I'll ask him uh, how that works. Um, But, yeah. No, it's it's um, this. I think this is, was part of the self-consciousness that I felt when I was high because I I was born in 1970, so I was born into the psychedelic era and yeah. into an era when drugs was sort of a countercultural thing. You know, obviously they were sort of being demonized around the same time. They were, there was sort of um, different different moral panics around it as well. But and so I was very conscious of sounding like I was talking like someone who's on drugs. So when I was taking the mushrooms and I was talking to Mel, part of what I was laughing at was the possibility that what we were saying as we were trying to to figure out what was happening sounded like generic drug talk. And I'm sure that in this podcast, as we're analyzing things, you your experiences and me mine, some of how we're framing this is gonna sound like generic drug talk. Because again, we don't have we have handsome and beautiful, we have Captain America, but we don't have another vocabulary
1: yeah, you don't have to these describe terms.
0: how you see yourself when you see yourself in your eternal form in the mirror. Yeah,
1: they I mean, say it separates you from your ego. There's these like connotative terms and denotative terms and connotative, like the media, you say the media, that's used so much that you forget that it means the news, newspapers, and blogs. Right. Like, okay, and instead you just have this idea, like, the media right you know it, it loses what its actual meaning is connotatively
0: oh yeah um yeah.
1: so same thing with like separating yourself from your ego it's like uh uh-huh. but it's like so you almost got to break that down the responsibility is to break it down more it's like it allows you to see yourself from outside of yourself and then someone else smarter will be like that's just separation of ego it's like yes but people don't really understand what that means right so
0: i think that's why um you can read your michael Pollan book and here's a guy who's articulating things in a very smart way, or read Aldous Huxley, whoever has written intelligently about this sort of thing, while giving yourself permission to say stupid, self obvious yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Because they were said in joy and wonder. You know, and maybe some people get depressed or, or sad or freaked out on mushrooms. I don't know. Um, my experience was really positive. But, I've never had a bad trip. But it felt like. It felt like language was so... It wasn't that we were being cliched drug talkers. It's just that, that language is so thin. We don't really have
1: a vocabulary. It fails you. Yeah. Language fails you because it's this Like the word love. So many songs are about love. And love right. solving everything and finding love. And it's just like it, when you're 16, you feel love for the first time. You're like, I love... You're like, yeah, I get it. Like, no, you don't get it. Right. But you're like, yeah, I, I do get it, man. It's this big thing, but like, you're not the only one. It's just, it's weird to have a four letter word sum up this like all encompassing feeling of, of.
0: Well, well that's, that's the know. ladder of abstraction, Do you know, the ladder of abstraction, Mm-mm. um, where concrete things are low on the ladder and abstractions at the top of the ladder. And in writing classes, I teach writing classes. So, um, you try to avoid the middle, you try to stay low and high. The middle's where the jargony words, you know, the, the instructional units instead of teachers, you know? Um, so. I tell my students you could write, you should be able to write a story about love without using the word love because love is an abstraction, right? Um, sure. So don't tell it. And, and so, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the show it, don't tell it thing. And so, maybe that's it. That the, the vocabulary, even a somewhat concrete vocabulary, is going to be abstract enough when you have an experience that's so new and weird and so wrapped up in context-free appreciation of very specific things that the reason that we have cliche drug talk is not necessarily because of the drugs in the case of psychedelics, but because our vocabulary is, is too thin to describe what's happening when we're on psychedelics.
1: Yes, that could be. So that's one of the reasons I talk about the notepads. Okay. Dropping around, because there's truths and, and things you see or, or realize, a fully understand for a second. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you're not gonna be able to fully understand it six hours from now. Right. So like put your fucking notes down. The same way as keeping a journal when you're traveling. You're not going to remember the details.
0: Oh, I've kept a journal this year too, by the way. Did you? I'm almost up to 50,000 words. Um, I, when, when I became a travel writer, I stopped journaling because I found that my daily journal got in the way of whatever story I was trying to tell for, for Salon and other magazines I was writing for. So it's, it's like when you tell the story of a day, that might not be the story that you eventually want to write about. And it was just cluttering my creative... Consciousness with too many details.
1: You, how, how deeply would you write the the, the the day out?
0: I would write about a page a day, a single space. Back on the way, um, and I would type it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's not that it, it was not the detail. It was that I was thinking of each day as an, as a unit, because when I would write in my journal, still I, I put dates down.
2: Yeah.
0: Each day I tell the story of the day, or I it's not. I sort of tell the story of the day, and when I realize that sometimes the story I want to write about in a thoughtful way is about two weeks or five minutes or something else. And that I found that it was noise. Um, And so I stopped, for 20 years, I stopped uh, keeping a travel journal. I'm curious to know what your travel journal was like, but I started travel journaling again this year because one, it came out of a a conversation I had uh, with Mel. Um, And two, um, I was reading over the holidays, I was reading um, my old journals from when I lived in Korea. And I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting because- Were it, there
1: details in that where you were like, oh yeah. Yeah. I did meet that guy for two days. Totally. Yeah.
0: And I, I think what happens is that you, it's almost like um, you're recording. We were talking about looking when you're in the, the, the psychedelic experience, you're almost, it's almost like you're 70 and looking back on the experience and, and, and appreciating it. Right. And I was talking about how narrative it is. Well, if I think about last Tuesday now, I'm gonna think about it in a narrative way. I might forget about what I had for dinner or a goofy thing I said to somebody. Whereas if I record that each day, all those details are there. Details that for narrative purposes are completely pointless.
1: Pointless? Yeah. A person's name or or a food or like, oh, there was no salt shaker on the table. How much shit costs? all this stuff. Yeah, things like that.
0: And so those are the details, gosh.
1: But they Mm -hmm. make things seem real when you write them out or you're more of a writer than I am, but like, Those like, I always I get in trouble because I try to include people's names, specific places. I think specifics make things way richer. So to say, the difference between these two things. Me and a friend were talking about mushrooms. Okay. Right. Me and Rolf Potts, this travel writer that I met, you know, that I read years ago, and and uh, we were taught we were in his New York apartment where he stays, this massive cool place. Recording a podcast and talking about mushrooms. It's like. He, and he, he talked about how he wept. Yeah, I can see that way more than just some like surface thing. Right. The details really help it. Right.
0: And so, yeah, it, it's hard to explain um, from like my travel writer sensibility tw- 20 years ago, but that story was competing with the broader story I was trying to tell. I was trying to tell a story about. Thailand, in or, or, or Egypt, yeah. Right. Well, in, in general, I'm just I'm being hypothetical. Right. But Salon is who I wrote for at the time, um, and the more I wrote those details, the more myself got in the way of Thailand or what do you mean or Egypt. The way. So like if I was writing about how I felt about this or what I ate here or what I did there, the story is not about what I ate. You know, all these details, whatever conversation I had. The story is is a much big picture thing. So what I did is I kept small notebooks with just little fragmentary thoughts and, and they weren't organized in any way and I could remix them. It was just a lot more nimbler. Yeah. Instead of trying to pull details out of a story out of a journal that told the story of every day each day all year, I just had a notebook full of all these ideas and I could flip through and I could see the real story in a way that didn't reveal itself hmm. um, had I had I been using my journal. So yeah, so I, I write about like, wanting to, trying to buy a donkey to, um, to, to go through the, 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 the Libyan desert, you know. Um,
1: and so that story would be about travel, getting that donkey.
0: Yeah, actually that's not a good example because that was almost like a quest story because I didn't get the donkey. I, I ended up walking through the Libyan desert by myself and, no. that, and then I got lost. And so that was actually a very plot driven story. Uh, but there's other instances, like maybe when I was in, when I was in, um, when I was in Vietnam and I was trying to get off the backpacker trail, I was trying to find authenticity. And I just ended up just being a knucklehead, just, just stumbling into one fuck up after another and, and realizing that just because you're not doing what every other backpacker is doing doesn't mean that what you're doing is special, right? So I wrote the story about that. and if I had written, if I had taken that from a day by day journal, it wouldn't have been as effective as me just keeping a few notes in a, in a, in a pocket notebook and then piecing those together otherwise.
1: My journal was like, sometimes I have to be like, oh, I'm living it right now. I don't have time for this. But I try to make 20 minutes a day. I met these, this Canadian girl in, in, in Bagan who was like, no, nah, I try to journal. It's like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. I brought one with me. So I'm like, why haven't I not done it? Yeah. So 20 minutes a day, just, or quick, at breakfast or tea, just write the details of what happened yesterday. This guy named Tom. We stayed at this hostel called this. Uh, took a bus from here to here. It took where We had to get off and just like a page, sometimes three or four, but usually half a page to a page of just the details. It's, but it, with no thought in my mind of like this is going to turn into this. Right.
0: So that's maybe. So if I, I have was to just... go
1: back to write a story about Pagan, it could be like I had tea with this lady named you know Erin. So I'm like I have it there, but I don't. I haven't ever gone back to it yet.
0: No, I, I think that's a good document of what you have. And actually, I'm going to interview my friend, Lavinia Spalding, wrote a book about travel journaling.
1: You have a friend named Lavinia Spalding? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds made well,
0: we'll, up. We'll see how that's normalized. I've known Lavinia for forever.
1: <laughs> Lavinia Spalding. Yeah, Lavinia Spalding. Wow. She lives
0: in New Orleans and she wrote a book called Riding Away. Yeah. She was also an expatriate in, in, um, in Busan, um, although I didn't know her when I was there. Um, it's worth reading. It has some some good ideas about not just why, but the how of of the travel journal. Uh, And so I'm glad I've done it this year. Um, But for whatever reason, 20 years ago, out of self-consciousness, I didn't do it. And it worked out fine. But since I I opened up my computer screen, um, this is another thing that Mel wrote down during the Mushroom Experience. We're talking about writing. And so she talks about how the mushroom experience cuts through the space and makes it smaller, minimizes without diminishing and thus framing and seeing the thing as almost static and in its, in its perfect form, perfect because it has no context.
1: Minimizing without what?
0: Minimizes without diminishing. And so what I'm thinking is, she's saying is that you're- of applies to a chair, yeah. So you're, you're seeing the thing out of context. You're seeing it in its, in its eternal form.
1: Minimizing meaning like there's oak, whatever, oak, wood, and that is, a, a leg that had to be nailed in there. Interesting. Without going like this, doesn't matter. It's still like a chair, but like
0: right. You're not saying, well, this is just a chair. It's actually getting bigger. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you've you've eliminated every other context. I mean, as in, like
1: you drop off the the apartment and the rug that's under it, all yeah. of it, and just looking at this. Yeah.
0: Well, actually, this is something that Mel wrote down on a card when she was high. So yeah. who knows what it really means? Yeah, we'd have to bring her in to ask. But. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think what she means is, I've already paraphrased this. Um, in a way, I feel glad that she was there because she had a more articulate understanding of what we were experiencing. But that basically you take away the context. It's like I just said Lavinia Spaulding. Well, I've, I've contextualized. I've been friends with Lavinia for 15 years. Yeah. Her name, I don't think That's her name amazing. is delightful. <laughs> She's just Lavinia. You know? It's so cool. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so my relationship with Lavinia's name is, is sodden with context. Um, and just like our relationship with all the objects we see have some sort of context. You know, I'm, I'm walking through this room, this lamp and table are Uh not important to me because I'm going to go to the bathroom. Right? So we can take, we constantly, and again, Michael Pollan talks about this. We contextualize things constantly because we have to get things done. You know, we can't just sit and, and stare at that lamp, at, at, at the artwork like, oh, of that lamp at the on the side. for two hours, yeah. yeah. Or, or, at, or at the plant, or but at, someone
1: did make it and took the time to spend. Right. Somebody spent a month on it.
0: Well, in a way, it's about it makes you appreciate the wonder of everything in the world. Yeah. And in fact, this is it's funny. There was a, a There's a Sesame Street book called a Muse, the museum of everything in the whole wide world. Yeah. And I mailed it to Mel after this, we had this experience because one of our metaphors, besides the show was, um, what was it called? The museum of, of how things should be. Um, I think I, it came out of my mouth, but she wrote it down. And so that was another way with our thin language of describing what we were seeing is that we were seeing everything again, it's an eternal, in its eternal form, which itself is a metaphor to trying to describe what we were seeing. We were seeing everything, including ourselves as the museum of how things should be. So it's like, you know, like, Mel, I should always see you in As five this, dimensions. Yeah, and it'd be nice I, I should you always look in the mirror and, see, and just be overjoyed at seeing myself, right? And so that was, that was another thing that propped up. Context-free. And you can
1: do that, though. I think that's what, one of the things mushrooms can teach you. You can do it. So, like, your girlfriend comes home. It's like, oh, hey, how does work? Or your girlfriend comes home from a month on the road. And it's like, hey. It's like you can see her that way oh. whenever you want. Right. You just have to stop and be like, wow, I got this great girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, how pretty. Look at that dress. It's yeah. fucking great. Or you just get used to stuff and it stops mattering. And walking around New York. So I just got back from Zion National Park. Oh. Three days there. Okay. Uh, and it's go- I mean, it's gorgeous. You like hiking like I do. Sure, yeah. And then I'm back in my room and I just hear in the background just siren. And it's like, man, it never stops here. And my girlfriend is like, what? I'm like, the siren. She goes, Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you've huh. gotten used to New York. I've been out of here for a few weeks or months. And I was where there's utter silence. Yeah. Just some crickets, you know. And so now it's like you can hear it all again, and it'll be gone in a week. I'll well, get used to it again.
0: It's even like podcasting. We've had a couple of sirens. They're, they're fixing mm-hmm. the building across the street. And so usually that's contextualized. I never, when I'm, when I'm in this apartment, I never think about sirens. And it's but right, when
1: you're on the podcast, it does make you like, oh, right. shit, that's going to fall through here. Normally, you, just, you don't even hear it.
0: It, feel, it feels like one could almost write, it looks like every time I interview you, Ari, I, I have a book idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> but well, you could almost write like the, the perfect travel, travel metaphors and psychedelic metaphors are so rich. You know, it's called a trip,
1: right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're um, right.
0: But then also just ways of seeing, and it, it, it made my travels interesting. I wasn't always thinking about my mushroom experience when I was traveling, but there were certain moments when I realized that I was mesmerized by a certain thing that I was seeing new, like the, like the peeling paint on the boat. And it's like, oh yeah. And so I was thinking about, you know, what, what Mel had written down about context-free, you know, minimizing without diminishing, that you're just looking at this peeling paint, but you're not diminishing it, you're actually enlarging it because you are celebrating that peeling paint. And it was only, I remember when I was w- looking at that peeling paint on the boat in off the coast of Sumatra. Um, It was being gone, like, five minutes later, I just couldn't appreciate it like I did when I first saw it. Five minutes later, yeah. And sort of feeling that disappointment. And and so I get, maybe that's the push-pull about the psychedelic experience, or maybe even the travel experience, is that eventually you do stop being high. Eventually you do get used to what was
1: previously new. We had this thing in Southeast Asia. Temples are a big thing. If you go around Europe, it's like old churches, and yeah. they're nice. But we have similar-looking churches here, even Manhattan. You know, mm-hmm. built with that as their influence, with with Germany as their influence, with old like Czech churches as their influence. You know, so it looks similar. But if you go to a Buddhist in, in Thailand, you know, in Chiang Mai, where they have one uh, that massive thing, or, or in Myanmar, they have this the the, the golden
0: oh the stupa, is it a, the pagoda? Golden yeah, pagoda? the
1: pagodas. Yeah, the golden pagoda. It's like gorgeous. But then everyone had the same experience traveling to Southeast Asia because every country has it. And right. the big ones are Bagan and Myanmar and, uh, and Cambodia um, and Kerwat. Okay. Those are oh, like right. the massive like to- like you know, it's not just one, it's this whole complex of them. Um, after a while in Southeast Asia, everyone had this thing where we got quote unquote, templed out. Yeah. Where these don't hit me anymore. And it's like, oh yeah, it was built in the 1200s by some, king. And it's like, you'd probably have to leave and come back six years later to, 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 to get rid of that templed-out feeling. But you're right, everything does just kind of, kind of normalize when you're traveling or, or anything.
0: It's interesting how, in a way, travel is my first was my first drug. Like, I didn't do drugs for so long that I had this delightful mushroom experience five months ago, um, and it startled. And I have just all these travel metaphors to describe it because it was new in a way that, that travel has always been new. I wasn't the 13-year-old the or the 23-year-old, you know, getting high. Um, and so my first, those first startlingly new experiences were travel experiences. And, but, it, but yeah, it, it's interesting that, that, like, you can't, imagine if there was a mushroom that made you high for one month, you know, yeah. what would that month be like? In a way, wow, yeah. you appreciate the mushroom experience because it's not normal because suddenly you're crying about the miracle of your own existence and your own gratefulness for having been alive as if you're 90 and about to die. Um, you're like front-loading your gratitude, but if you were always that way, like how, how banal that might eventually become, right?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this recently. This um, chick came to visit me from England and we were walking around my neighborhood, just walk around New York. It's always fun to walk around, especially when it's nice, when you're new. And we came across Puerto Rican day celebration in little Puerto Rico, east, uh, the alphabet city there. And they had some like band playing, people were dancing, like Puerto Rican kind of dance and like there was some food out there and people were selling like whatever they, they cook. And I walked by, I was like eh, I wanted to keep walking, She's like oh let's look at it for a second. I was like okay. And then way later I remember being in Yangon and walking back from a movie and seeing just some celebrations of some street kind of closed down. It was all people watching some band playing and some, some acting scene was going on and they had these big heads that they had on sticks. And, hmm. like, and I'm like, uh, what is this? It was just amazing. And we stayed and watched it for 30 minutes or an hour until we're like, all right, let's go back to the hostel. Fast forward a year later, I'm in New York and there's a parade, the same thing, okay. but I'm with an out of towner. So she's like, what is this? So I'm like, I don't know, some fucking Puerto Rican thing. Huh. Huh. And since I'm here, I don't appreciate it, but if I was there, and meanwhile there's people in Yangon, they're like, this is just a kid's party. What are you doing here? This is for like family. I but it was yeah. so amazing because it's, when you're traveling, it is all new. Yeah. When you're not traveling, the same situation is not new. It's not ex- interesting.
0: Yeah, well, like you say, you know, the, the cliche is New Yorkers are some of the best-traveled Americans, but they never go to the Statue of Liberty. Right. You know? yeah. And they, they avoid Times Square. You know.
1: And other people are taking pictures like,
0: wow, yeah. look at this place. We're
1: like yeah. fuck it, yeah. So it's yeah. There are all the similarities between tripping and tripping.
0: Totally, totally. That could, This is funny because you're actually you're you're not a professional mushroom user. In in my mind, you're still like the mushroom whisperer because you were like you were like my spirit animal during this experience. So um, so actually the trip slash trip book, it would also have to be funny, I guess. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're writing the book for me. So like, yeah. I think of you as like. Oh, a traveler who's also an expert on mushrooms. Well, um, actually, you're a comedian. And, you know, that's your But that's thing. the thing, too. What?
1: And you must get this, too, where, like, oh, you're an expert on travel. You're like, I'm just putting words in your head. It's not wrong. Like, sort of, yes, because I've been to a lot of places. And sort of, no, I didn't train in this. Right. I just started going. Right. I'm not an expert. I mean, I, I know a lot about it, but I'm not an expert. The way a doctor is an expert on doctoring. Yeah. I've just done this a bunch.
0: And there's this expectation that the travel writer should know what to do everywhere. Yeah,
1: you're like, yeah. I've never been there. Bolivia. Look it up. Look what's dangerous. What's not. I don't. I don't know.
0: I remember when I when I transitioned into glossy magazine writing. This was, gosh, this was around the time Vagabonding came out. Um, uh, having an, writing an, a, like a service article, uh, and the editor saying, Well, you know, this isn't quite there. You, you need the reader to, to know. Where they can get a cappuccino in Kathmandu. And he would just he just threw that off the top of his head. And I was thinking, how hard is it to figure out how to get a ca- Cappuccino in Kathmandu? So like my thing has always been like vagabonding wasn't a thousand best places to go book, it's about it's about a mindset. And so that's always been the most important thing to me, you know. And so very much so. I'm a travel writer guy, but I'm not the expert. I know that traveling means you're always the outsider, you know, and so that you're, you're, you're always in the position of, of making do. And so it's like you were talking about with, with, with an interview. If somebody suddenly starts talking about tea instead of Kansas, then you, you go down the road, road with tea. And so travel teaches you to improvise and, and, and to let go. Travel at its best yeah. um, teaches you to appreciate the place for what's there instead of what you came there for. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm going come for this, but I'm getting, it's like if somebody recommends a dish at a restaurant, like eat that dish, but get an appetizer that you're just winging it.
0: Yeah. So Is there is there a drug metaphor? Can we reverse this? Is there a, an experience where you go into a drug experience and you uh, appreciate it for what happens rather than what you expect to happen? Yeah, maybe.
1: That's why with the mushrooms, it's like, just go have a good time. Like go do it. So like, but no one wants to do it. So you can't convince them to do it unless you give them what's gonna happen. Yeah. But part of it's like,
0: well that's makes me wonder too if, if you go in for thera- therapeutic reasons then, then you're not going to get then if you're focusing if you're trying to deal with the trauma or something then what happens if something what happens if you just want to giggle
1: you know which also can help with trauma yeah learning yeah. to laugh a bunch is like you know they talk about like sending comedians into like people that are dying it's like just cheer them up a little
0: this would be interesting to ask Tim, if you get him back to talk about psychedelics again, is that what happens when you are trying to solve a problem when you have someone who really wants to take psychedelics to deal with depression, and and they take a right turn and start talking about the museum of how everything should yeah, be. Yeah. And, and suddenly they're having and those a are r- great thoughts. Right. They get
1: a book out of it of an idea to like go down a road. And we're like, I'm going to examine that more.
0: And this was... This was this was the perfect thing about the experience the only expectations i had of that mushroom experience are the ones that literally you gave me yeah and so it, it turned to the show and the museum of how things should be
1: and it did was you great. ever okay i have a couple of questions did you ever have it where oh and wait or did i just have a thought now nah, it's gone um did you ever have it where it got too much Where I, did i tell you about like how you say like pull it back a pull, little pull, pull back did it you right. have to do that at no, all No, i didn't okay great so it was just there to like calm you down like you can settle it but you don't have to
0: yeah, and it may be, maybe been the dose size. It may I am not sure why, but I never had even when the police helicopter was flying around. I just thought it was sort of funny.
1: Yeah, that could have been one that could send you into a downward spiral. Yeah. That you would need to be like hey 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 like
0: I think you really condition one, I'd waited 48 years before I took psychedelics. You're a full man. Two, I'd talked with you about it a lot. Yeah. Um and I had full faith in it. So it wasn't a problem.
1: Did you have nausea as it was kicking in, like 20, 30 minutes in? No, Nothing. No. Okay. That can unless, happen, too, but it's not and again, a big deal. again, this
0: was five months ago, unless I'm forgetting about, again, like, you talk about Sumatra and you forget about the 19-hour bus ride. That's
1: the journals. That's what the journaling right. does.
0: Right, right. So it's possible that there were, the, the trepidation of the police helicopter was a lot stronger than I remember it.
1: That There's maybe, a doctor in, I think, the Warsaw Ghetto, and they were, um, he got some disease that he knew was inoperable and there's no operations anyway but he was going to die so he decided to starve himself to stop eating to one to not take food from everyone else because he's definitely going to die even if they liberated him um and two so he can write down the details of what's happening as someone's going through starvation oh wow yeah but he was writing down every detail of it Hmm. you know Hmm. and then later they can see his journal and like use that but like yeah you need that like 19 hour bus ride like oh yeah that's a detail because you're only talking about the beach you get to this beach and it's so cool and like what about the getting there? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure bring a coat, they're going to crank the AC down to where it's about five degrees, yeah, I forgot about that part, yeah, so you need to write all that stuff. See, I wonder if, the, if I could have gotten the nausea answer then.
0: Right, yeah, if you would have interviewed me the next day, it, it's possible, like I now think of it as this, as this totally positive experience, and it was, and it was new in a way I haven't experienced before, but it's possible that the nausea and fear details I've glossed over, you know, in the way of telling a good travel story. Yeah. Um, that again like the police helicopter is now part of the misadventure you know when you when something goes wrong on the road um when you get robbed but they steal your worst pair of socks or whatever it becomes a funny story right so the police helicopter which could have been more disconcerting i'm sure it was than it is now now it's sort of hilarious you know that that we were turning back on your capital letter admonition that they don't know um so it's so it's funny it's interesting not to talk in circles about everything, but that's interesting. And then my, whenever it happens, my second mushroom experience, it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. How they pair
1: up, for sure. And also what's interesting, as you're saying it, it's like, so Mel was in her backyard. I can picture these backyards in in LA. I know that's sort of neighborhood-ish. And you guys are like, oh, weird, let's go inside. There was somebody else two blocks over who was standing at the same helicopter, not on anything, just going, ugh, it's fucking ruining my, I'm just trying to be out here reading and it's ruining my time. It's almost like you're to be like, hey, lady or man, you got to let go because you're missing a great time for this nothing situation.
0: <laughs> that's true. It's like the noise. It's like the noise of New York. You, know, it's the you can let it keep you up ever- or you cannot not. It, it's the police helicopter that's always sort of flying around Los Angeles. Uh, but in this situation, it, it, became, it became a backdrop somehow. So anyway, I don't know if I've, I've completely um, laid out the case for you writing the A Trip is a Trip book. Reflections of a mushroom-taking traveler.
1: <laughs> well, because I feel like there is that travel writing out there, like drugs around the around the world kind of stuff, yeah, mixed yeah. with like arrests and stuff, yeah. But like, I always, whenever I'm traveling, I go back to this passage in in vagabonding about like, weed specifically, I think, where it's like, sure, sure, do it. You weren't like, don't, but you're like, eventually at some point, this stuff is vibrant enough that you don't need to add right. a level of vibrancy to it. And I sort of agree with that, but at the same time, like, hey, I'm in Beijing in this hutong, and this whole group of people is doing coke. And I'm not a coke guy, but it's like, throw yourself in. This is part of the fucking situation. Don't go seeking it out, but if this is the situation right now, then that's part of it. Or like, hey, we're on the fucking what Here's a fucking uh, opium-laced joint. You just smoke this and watch Sunset. It's like, well, that's what everyone's doing. Well,
0: that actually wasn't my book idea. I mean, that would be interesting. And it feels like that has been done, that people have... um, They've at least tried different intoxicants in different countries. What I was thinking was more earnest, where basically you think about the experiential and spiritual aspects of the drug experience and the experiential and spiritual aspect of the travel experience, and you you compare them. Right. You know, and w- without a specific trip or without even doing um, psychedelics in another country. So there's one you're time thinking- in
1: Santa Monica, I realized this thing about myself from being on mushrooms. Right. This one time in Cambodia, I realized this thing about myself from having to be on a ferry. Right, right.
0: Or, and I was taking this boat from this island. Um, you
1: also new and, and, and I
0: was looking at this, at the patterns on the water. And, or, or I was in a culture where I didn't understand what was going on, and so I just saw it for what it was. And it turns out that it was a children's puppet show, but I didn't know that. I was just excited by it. If it happened on my block, I would have ignored it and so it's it's the same thing that someone with a psychedelic experience pretty soon they're staring at a succulent plant in their friend's
1: backyard laughing and enjoying it for 15
0: it. minutes and just thinking about how perfect and beautiful that succulent plant is which is silly but also makes sense you know why wouldn't you if you had seen if, if you go and see a baobab tree for the first time on, on another continent you're going to stare at it and you're going to you're going to look at it the first time you see a giraffe in the wild you're gonna you're gonna stare at it and just and marvel at it, and so it's the same thing. Yeah,
1: and it's put yourself in situations that allow you to think that way or look at the world that way because you just don't get it in your day to day life. That's what Shepard Fairey's project was all about, the Obey Giant. Not all about, part of it was like you see this Andre the Giant stencil, and you're like, oh weird. But then you're supposed to like maybe I've told you this too. You're supposed to step back and be like, what building is this on? Okay. Oh, I, tr- I I go past this every day at work. Is this a warehouse? What is this even? Yeah. And it's supposed to make you stop and like look, stop glancing over stuff, and look at it, really look at things for a second, and be like, oh, I think they make pencils here. Wow, weird. I never knew that. You know what I mean? But put yourself in situations or make yourself do things that you can see stuff fresh. Well,
0: maybe that's my lesson, and and maybe. My mushroom experience wasn't supposed to generate a lesson. Maybe this is just me talking out of my ass five months later, Yeah. but I think it's about, it was really, it reminds me how important it is to see things and how, in a way, I was a tourist of, of Mel's living room and I was seeing certain furniture and plants and I was listening to music, in a way I've never listened to music before, like maybe when I was two or something,
1: but- um So I certain songs you put on like some Sabbath or something, yeah. and you're like, damn, and then you realize, a lot of those were written by people on drugs for huh. people on drugs. Huh. And so like it's supposed to hit me this hard. Yeah. And it's almost amazing those people can make it acceptable for people not on drugs. Because if I was on drugs trying to like make something for people, it would just be like Yoko Ono like sounds, you know, right, like, right. just to, like get you there. But not like this thing that would work for a 16-year-old who's never touched anything. Right. I, it's like amazing to me. When they could do both of us. I went to see that LCD Sound System show that I was with Michelle and Gary and and Soder, and like, there were songs, or at least like light show stuff, that I'm like, oh, this is just for the people on weed. Interesting. And this is just for the people on psychedelics. And this now is just, now it's for everybody. And everyone can enjoy the stuff that's only for the mushroom people, but the mushroom people are really gonna like it. Go. See, this is so
0: new to me that it didn't even occur to me that that would be a thing, right? Like, this was my first at age 48 or 47, my first experience of being high ever. So it never occurred to me that there would be fine-tuning musical events to, a, to, to appeal to people who are going through that. In a way, I'm a, again, that's the beauty of, of the first experience, that I was just, I was a naivest. And Mel wasn't playing, she was just playing music that she liked. She was you know, playing some original songs too, but um, so it wasn't designed for a drug experience, but I, it was certainly affecting me in, in a way. And so it was as if I had gone to, well, I had some experiences where sometimes I would hear music in India. This is 18 years ago, I was in India. And I was just very moved by how beautiful and weird this music was. I didn't cry.
1: But you got there to be like, wow, interesting. Yeah. Instead of another song on the radio. But imagine if you've never heard radio, never been in a car, you're like, what? It's just coming through your speakers? Well, again, this
0: comes back to the first time experiences. It's just like, there's a time in human experience when for whatever reason we didn't make representational art, maybe because we didn't have paintbrushes and, mm-hmm. and stuff, that at some point carve. they had to invent that. Yeah. Um, and so it just makes us appreciate everything as if, as if for the first time.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you can do that all the time, but I think if you right. just stop once a day or a few, just more often than you were before, yeah. seeing things for like, like that lamp that, once you pointed it out, it's was like, oh, there is like a grapes on there, like someone yeah. carved that, and it's like, just a, here or there, appreciate your surroundings yeah it, it, I, I just think it could do you good yeah for sure and get your mind like going 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 because you're seeing things new sort of
0: and and that 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 was that was my take home and that's my, the big travel parallel too is that you 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 are suddenly forced to see things new you, and, and, yeah. and see them in their form now since we're nearing two hours of our discussion okay. i'm not sure how many people want to listen i could talk about this for, for
1: it's amazing for six isn't it? more
0: hours. Um, but just so that we can be concise, what am I missing? You've done this a lot more than Okay, me.
1: you gotta press pause because I got pills. Okay. But yeah, I have right. that question. All right. Okay, so here's my questions I have for you. One, what was left out of that Shroomfest primer that I made that you've seen now that you're like, oh, there was this detail?
0: I would have to reread your Shroomfest primer. Okay. Um, and again, and I, I would also have to maybe talk with Mel again and I'm wondering if, if I'm not having a, a rose-colored glasses um, sure. perspective of this, because it was positive, but maybe it wasn't as hundred percent positive as I remember it, and maybe there were some moments that could have gone more smoothly that could end up in the Shroom Primer.
1: I will tell you that if, if you're saying that there's like my my there might have been bad moments, but overall memory is good. That means it was a good time, and you shouldn't get caught up in the shitty. Okay. You know, it's like, yeah. well, this bus broke down on the way to so and so. It's like. Yeah, but you got to this beach where nobody was. You spent a week there. Yeah. So, like, the, the, the two extra hours of travel really doesn't matter for the, for the right. week-long experience.
0: And this is a good thing to remember in life in general. Yeah. You know, why focus on...
1: The, the slight, small negative when yeah. the, the positive is, like, 98% of it. Yeah. I love when people after my show be like, are angry about one joke. And it's almost like... It used to bother me and I got to the point of, like, how sad for you that you saw 60 minutes of comedy and you are only focusing on the two you didn't like, and not the 58 that you loved. Yeah. You should come up to me and be like, I love this. Like, how sad for you that you had to leave huh. with what you weren't into.
0: Huh. I think that there's something enabling about society, maybe American society, maybe it's all societies, where we are encouraged to, to focus on those little bumps in the road, those things that irritate us. Yeah. And that, and especially now in this social media age, that somehow we feel compelled um, morally, to focus on on those things, and, and there's certain situations, right. you know, Me Too moment type stuff that maybe you should call somebody out who's being who's being abusive. But if it, but if it's a comedy show, or if it's a or if it's um, a journey through Sumatra, or if it's your experience at a concert that you see in New Jersey or whatever, then why be the Debbie Downer who's, yeah, why, who's thinking yeah. about this shitty stuff? I mean, know?
1: like imagine like somebody going like 19 of 21 from the field with, you know, 61 points. And you're like, what was that one shot? Right. You, were to- you were totally yeah. double-teamed. Why wouldn't you pass that off there? And it's like, all right, dude, fucking later when you're watching game tape. Not now. Like, that was great. It's, it's like we're, we're entitled as a society to focus on the, on the bad
0: parts. Yeah. You know, to, for whatever reason, it's a we thing. feel that it's, it, it's our right to just focus on the, on the bummer shit, so. Yeah. Um, i, I and, and i wasn't I wasn't saying that my mushroom experience may have been bad. I'm just saying there may have been some bumps in the road that right. at least I should mention yeah exactly like travel like it
1: won't all be smooth sailing, but overall yeah. you're going to have a great time
0: and think about travel I don't know if this is a, if this is a drug corollary, but one reason I love Sumatra so much is because it was hard to get around it wasn't a generic experience it wasn't full of other people exactly like me that I had that beach mostly to myself because it was hard to get to you yeah. know um, and so, so yeah, for sure. I, I think sometimes that, the, that the, the difficulties actually in travel at least can ensure that you're experiencing something original, so.
1: Yeah, my friend just told me who came to Zion with me and who's not like an outdoors guy. And I sort of invited, we had five of us did gigs in Vegas and then like from there, somebody was like, you know, only three hours from Zion. And I was like, yeah. And comics, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're not missing anything, Right. you know? Um, and this is just recently, so you yeah. came from. This is, yeah, I mean, I was there two days ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one guy, I was like, hey, if you want to come, by the way, I don't expect you to, but you're invited, we have this bigger place. Um, me and another comic and his girlfriend are gonna come, so, and he goes, yes, I'm like, really, yes, okay. I mean, you are invited, I just want you to feel left out, but like, and he said, it was because I told him about China, I hooked him up with this China gig, hmm. and my advice to him in China was like, put your phone away, get out, no matter what you do, get out of your hotel and just walk, just take the card of the hotel with you so you can give it to a cab driver when it's time. And he said, he's a real regimented guy, Mike Vecchione, he's always writing and doing whatever. And, and he was like, I'm starting to understand the benefits of experience hmm. on your writing or on anything, like you need stuff to draw from. So it's like, he goes, I did, I did get out of my apartment just take the hotel card. And I did see like, there's no getting lost, you're already there. So lost right. and finding your way unlost is a fun adventure, but like the whole time you're doing it, you're already where you're supposed to be, which is lost in that's Shanghai. That's a great point, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no right street or wrong street. You don't know about any of the streets. So yeah. whatever you come across, a water fountain in a park or a temple or an alley that's boring, that's all, you're there. Yeah. Um, so he was like, just because of that, I decided to come to Zion with you. And he said he thought it was gonna be a hostel in, what just in a campsite and I was like, Wow, that's really adventurous then to come. No, we've got a cabin. It was nice. But like just coming out of your like just trying shit is like important. Wait, why was I talking about Mike? Well, um, you had asked
0: me, you had a couple of questions for me. So, so we're, like, yeah. we're like deviating. This is the deviate with Roll right. Pods podcast. Deviate. Yeah. But um, you were talking about experiences that might uh, feed into, into the, the shroom guide and then we were, we were bringing in some, some travel. Oh photos. yeah, a few negatives
1: are just not a real problem. Yeah. A few negatives are a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Did you get any depression afterwards? No, okay. did, did, does that happen sometimes? I'm not sure anymore. Somebody asked me, you know, I, keep, I forget now if it's, if it's MDMA, Molly, Mandy if you're English, or, or if it's the mushrooms that i sometimes do Molly with. Okay. I forget now, but I don't really get it. I get worn out afterwards because so much mental energy for six hours. Right, um, and physical. If you're hiking on them and stuff, that like the next day I'm just like I don't want to do anything. But I was wondering if you felt any depression. So no,
0: no. But again, I, I had a buddy. Like the next day, we also sort of had off, and so we talked about it some more. New you know? know? Yeah. And so um, I don't. I don't think I would have been depressed anyway. But it was just. I was just. It was just a continuation of the day before, making sense of what had happened, mm-hmm. and it was. It was very positive. And she said we. I was texting. Because I was re- I was going over the notes to talk to you, sort of my notes of the experience, and I said, you know what a what a remarkable day, you know what an amazing day we had. And she said, yeah, you know it's one of the in 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 a certain sense. Um, what did she say? It, it was it was something along the lines of, it's it's hard to compare ever having had a day like this. You know, I guess right. it's just it's just it's just so unique. Um, yeah, that. Uh, I was telling someone about it last night, and I really peg it as one of the best and most significant days I've had. So, yeah. I mean, how many times as a a full-grown adult you have this totally new experience um, in sort of a safe area with someone you
1: like, and and then you make sense of it, you know? So, That's cool to be able to talk about it later, too. Yeah. Let's talk about what what that was, because it's so different. Yes. I'm hoping if people hear this, that they'll... Because talking to you, I wasn't like, fucking do it, dork. It was, <laughs> it was like, still like, let me tell you why it's okay and why yeah. you're wrong. And try to, like, real terms tell you what's kind of going to go out without ruining it for you. Yeah. It's like if you've never been to a movie before. You're yeah. like, oh, it's just a fun time. Like, But aren't you get brainwashed by the images? Like, oh, no, man. Maybe that's what they told you in your country. But it's really just about entertainment. But yeah. it's like, until you do it, I can't explain to you what the experience of a movie is like. Yeah. But I can talk to you about afterwards how fun it is and eating popcorn.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, it's like, oh, you have to go to Paris and you have to dine at this cafe. You yeah. have to go to this place and this place and this place and this place. And people sort of do a trip advisor equivalent of that these days when in fact, go to Paris and walk around.
1: Walk around and find something. Yeah. Like if I was telling you about the movie experience, like from i I've never done this or heard of it. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you got to get some butter popcorn. And then you go to a place and they're like, oh, they don't have popcorn. And it's like, then I'm not going. That's not the right one. <laughs> it's like, no, no. It's just generally popcorn goes well, but that's, that's not, you can get candy. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, or nothing, it's also okay, you know? But it's just like, yeah, it's weird, like you don't wanna make people try to recreate that exactly. Yeah. The point is, just go have a good time. So, I remember laughing my ass off in my friend's grandmother's beach house in Malibu, uh, on mushrooms, me, Fahim and Benji, and just laughing at, it's not Magritte, I forget who, it's this painting, and it's this guy holding this woman and his head's turned, it's like a famous painting. His head's turning. He's like, almost like devouring her. Okay. Um, And then people, I guess, like study. It's like, is is he like grabbing her? Is she trying to push him off? It's like, are they about to embrace? Is it a photograph or a painting? Painting. Okay. It's yellowish. It's uh, background. Oh, fuck. I forget. I used to know it too. Um, It's gone. Um, Anyway, and we just laughed just watching this laughing. I wonder if she's like, oh, your breath stinks, or just like whatever, and just spitting up food, just laughing so hard at some painting we've seen before, a recreation yeah. of it, but like, yeah, yeah like you, you can't be like, go find yourself in a place where that painting is. It's like, no, no, you'll, you'll have stuff, that succulent, that cactus, yeah, that'll do it for you, or whatever, but like you can't plan for it. It's like something will come along. Yeah, and Just imagine
0: shrooms. how weird it would have been if you would have said, Oh yeah, does, does Mel have succulents in her backyard? Because those are <laughs> yeah, definitely pop look at those. Yeah. Experience. yeah, you find them. Yeah. You
1: just find it. Or you stare at your hand and be like, What is yeah. that? Um, yeah.
0: Any other any other questions or insights given that I'm still a noob? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I will tell you what I've told probably you and other people. Like I've done shrooms. 40, 50, 60 times, I don't know. And I'm nervous every time I take them. Okay. I never go into. to them, like, sweet, let's go. It's always like, oh shit, all right, do I uh, wanna do it? So the why, idea why that are you're nervous. Because you're gonna lose a bit of control. Okay, okay. Um, and it's not something you can do for an hour and be like, I'm kinda done with it. Okay. Uh, unlike alcohol that you're really used to, this can, this will take you in any sorts of directions. And it's not like, I better slow down, I'm getting drunk. It's, you're in. You take it once and you're in. So. My girlfriend was, the, was like, maybe we should take mushrooms, I guess this, this coming weekend. And she goes, maybe we'll take them earlier in the day and then do something afterwards. It's like, no, 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 that's your plans for the day. There's no like, okay. there's right. no like afterwards. <laughs> like that's, you can't, yeah. you're going yeah. if you go. So a little of that is like, are you ready for all this, these mental gymnastics you're gonna go through? Um, just like, yeah, I, sometimes I say, don't have something major the next day because you might want to like, what you had was perfect. Have some time to go over your thoughts and like, what was I thinking and what was that? Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice to have that extra day. If you don't have it, you don't have it. But it's nice to be able to like stop and not have to go to an office meeting the next day. In a way, I was sort of spoiled.
0: I, I realized that I, I had a, a full day to do it and a full day to recover. Because yeah. so now we went for a walk.
1: Saturday's a better day than Sunday.
0: Yes. Because then yeah. Monday you
1: don't have to, you have to deal with work. Right. And Sunday you can deal with nothing. So do it Saturday.
0: Yeah, and if if I if I do if I do it for the tenth time, will I spend the day after the tenth time also talking about it? Like, will I use, will I yeah, lose maybe, a little bit not. of the wonder at this experience? You
1: will, but each time is a thing. The idea of like loss of control was that one of your issues?
0: No, not really. Um, you mean one of my concerns?
1: People that don't want to do it, like, I don't want to lose control. Oh,
0: yeah, no, that was definitely. Before, when I was a non-drug user, I didn't want to lose control. You know, I, I just, I didn't trust these people who were who were yeah. telling me it was awesome. They weren't giving me concrete reasons. They were just sort of shaming me into
1: mm-hmm. the idea of trying drugs. So now let's, let's say it out for the people listening. Looking back five months ago with the idea that, like, I don't want to lose control, how much control did you lose in reality?
0: Well, none, but... Again, set and setting, I was in a place where that wasn't going to be a concern. Like I did lose control in that I was weeping when yeah. Mel was playing the piano. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and then I was losing control in that I was staring at a succulent that, I, that was the most fascinating thing in the universe for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's other small moments. Basically, because my perception completely shifted, I lost control in that sense, that I, that I wasn't able to contextualize my attention like I always do but I didn't lose control in a dangerous way.
1: You never saw a little uh, goblin saying, follow me, to like,
0: <laughs> come oh. in here, right? Oh.
1: Like you didn't lose control that way. You knew a street was a street.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and I was gonna say, we, we went for a walk afterwards. When it was dark, we were pretty much, it was pretty much over, but yeah. we went for a walk, and that was also a nice part of the, walk walking movies, in the
1: streets. sometimes you'll get this thing, not this specifically, but something like this, where you'll like be like putting your face up against like a bus and holding it, like, what are you doing? They're like, what a beautiful elephant. There's just an elephant roaming around. That's not a real thing. Okay, yeah. True or not true?
0: That is true, and I think the old the stereotypes about psychedelics, the really dumb ones that are 20 years old, are not true at all. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm
1: in a tree. Like, you're on a balcony. You're not in a tree. What? Like, you never really lose that.
0: Yeah. I think when I was younger, there was concern that, and maybe certain forms of LSD are this way, but, that... Somebody's face would melt off and they'd turn into a skeleton or something, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I don't know if that happens or, or not, but... Maybe
1: but, more on acid, but not on mushrooms.
0: Yeah. No, it, was, it just all felt very natural. I definitely felt high, and in fact, I said that out loud. In fact, we were drinking LaCroix water, mm-hmm. and I was saying... Um, LaCroix Water, the official sponsor of me being high.
1: <laughs> I love those things where you just like go off on this fun tangent. I wrote that down. I wrote Fish. down something else. That'd be a great commercial.
0: <laughs> Look, so, um, LaCroix, if you want to sponsor this episode of the podcast, that'd no be really you, cool you, people. You are very refreshing when you're high on mushrooms. The other thing I wrote down, and I, I, I'm sure I said some other goofy things before, but I said, I was talking about the show and how. The show is about nothing, like Seinfeld, only not funny.
2: <laughs> and for some reason
0: I wrote that down, you know, so, that, so that there's just these, these um, self-conscious, these moments of self-consciousness where I would say things and, and write them down. So, the LaCroix Water, find me.
1: Yeah, find me, do it. So, there's one more thing I want to say, because this is like a theory, or maybe I'm, maybe it's hypothesis, what well, it comes before theory? Is it hypothesis? Yeah. And then a theory is like somewhat tested.
0: Yeah, yeah. You test the hypothesis and it becomes a theory. My dad's a science teacher. I should know this. People misuse the word
1: theory as yeah. just like a, Yeah. Maybe we're all like not a theory yet. <laughs> it's right, just like, like evolution's a theory, <laughs> yeah. which means it's not. <laughs> it's like, mm. right. Um, so I have a hypothesis that when you're tripping, you have these moments of 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 the beauty or truth. I think the truth is beautiful, like full truth is beautiful. So you can see it without being able to like describe it completely. But feeling the truth in something where it's like, oh, that person's suffering or that person is, is a good friend. And, and just the truth, the real truth, or like you're a writer that's touched a lot of people, which is interesting that like someone in right now in Indonesia is reading your book. And like, so you're like having an effect on someone's like, life, or at least they're, they're weak, you know, because maybe they'll say yes instead of saying no. So you see this truth in something, and there's lots of different truths, but like a, an utter, like non-arguable, like this is real, you know? I make people laugh. There's no yes or no, or sometimes no, but it does happen. Um, but I can only see those truths, not even able to describe them. I can see them when I'm fully tripping. Okay. And I'm like, whoa, and it makes, comes clear to me. That the government is just real, made of real human beings and they're all fallible. So of course there's gonna be yeah. like um, uh, uh, people taking bribes and stuff. Because they're right. just made of people like me and I would take a bribe. Yeah. I would look the other way, so of course. If I'm a mover, I would just take a book here or there. You know. So maybe not all of them are, but some movers will steal from you. Right. That's the reality. So you see these ultimate truths. And when you're coming out of the trip, I end up trying to exp- explain something to someone and I can't quite get it there. Yeah. Because you're halfway in between the truth world and the world where we are now, which is like full of like um, distractions and predispositions. But,
0: but it's, it's context, it's full of goals, it's, yeah. it's full
1: of. Um, yeah, um, and am I allowed to do this? I don't want to make up with that ex girlfriend because I'm happy about my anger for her, you know? And it's like, but the truth in, in the reality is that person's a beautiful person and yeah. they should be in my life. Yeah. And then you get muddled with, yeah, but they fucked my brother, or they fucked my, that never happened to me. But <laughs> just like as a terrible example. <laughs> but,
0: but in daily life too, it's like, I, I have an appointment across town, I can't stare at this succulent for
1: exactly. minutes. Exactly. You can't you, stop and smell the roses. Yeah, I, Even I, though you tell yourself in those trip moments, yeah. roses smell beautiful. Every time you should stop. Yeah. So when someone's on their way back, and, and they're coming out of their trip, and they're sort of half making sense and half not, and when you're coming out of your trip and you try to express something to somebody. And you're not quite, my hypothesis is that person still has one foot in the full truth of the, of the universe. And uh-huh. you should really listen to what they're saying. They're not quite able to explain it because they can't speak on your terms because they're still talking to aliens. Okay. And they're still talking to alien language. But like, try to get them to write it down, or like tell me what you mean, like they really have something to tell you. So you're talking about hour six? Hour six. Okay, Like those are the moments where now you're able to see the world for what it is, like I'm back in New York, uh-huh. I'm not like on the floor in my, in my thoughts, I'm back in New York, I'm here, but I'm still half seeing this, this trip world. So any thought that comes out of me is a, the closest connection you're gonna get to real truth. So if you're with somebody's tripper and they're coming out, they wanna tell you something, fucking listen to what they're saying.
0: If you're coming out, write some things down, maybe? Yeah,
1: and you might not understand it. Absolutely, write it down um, that day or two after. You're still remembering. Would, you're going to lose those memories. Like a dream, you're going to lose them.
0: Have you ever recorded yourself when you're tripping?
1: No, but my thoughts are, you don't want to be recorded because then you're trying to... Perform? Perform. Okay. But it'd be nice if just in the shower, there was a confessional like they have in, in, in reality shows. So out uh-huh. here, you're fine. But if I want to say something, go into the shower, say something, and then give that whole audio stuff to a transcriber uh-huh. for 25, 50 bucks and just have them write out everything you said in that confessional room, everything they heard. Interesting. Because that's why the, the writing down, but then the thoughts go so fast that you can't write them down fast enough. Well,
0: it feels like I was able to get more out of um, my first experience because Mel decided to record an hour and a half of it. Because mm-hmm. the stuff I was writing down was just bullshit. It was just like, it feels good to write. Because the Ari. It's different language
1: yeah. in that truth
0: world. And, so it doesn't translate exactly. Right. And plus it was, it was a deliberate act and I was getting pleasure from writing. That somehow feeling the pen on the paper was more fun for me than whatever I was trying to communicate, right? So the, the physical act of writing was screwing up my thought process. Yeah, 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 When in fact the conversation I was having with Mel and Mel's relative um, articulate, articulation um, the fact that that was recorded meant that i had a i was able to salvage a better memory of things that, yeah. b- that basically probably at our most high it was it was after the music was played and we were still sort of in, in the rush of things we were sort of going up and down we recorded 90 minutes and that was as valuable it was more valuable to me than anything i wrote down because i i just wrote down a few insults towards you and uh, the fact that I enjoyed writing, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, it was just—I was completely—I had nothing to write down, but I did have things to say, and then it was—it was very interesting. I'm not suggesting that people in our audience do this. I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm saying that don't be opposed to it. Yeah. If you can get—if you can—if re- you can get a recording device, and not incriminate yourself, and not
1: be distracted by it, and be able not to not be sort distracted of f- by it, yeah. forget about it. You have to trust, like I'm going to be the one who has this footage. So ideally, I had this thought of like how to how to record a trip, but you can't because it's just like grills in the mist. Like, if you know you're being recorded, you're not going to have the same and, trip. And
0: I'm not going to use it on this podcast, although I might use some, if, if it's cool with Mel, I might use some of the music. Just yeah, music because, would be cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's why I would say like, have a, conf- I haven't tested this, but have a confessional place where if you do want to share something with the outside world, you can, but then you have to know you have control over that thing later. So like, right. nothing shitty gets out. Right. You know, nothing like con- too confessional gets out. It
0: could almost be something you, you, only you know about. Yeah,
1: I would want to do it. I think that's the way to do it. Like, I, if it, let's say I was tripping with you and you haven't done it before, like record this. Absolutely do not tell you I'm recording this, mm-hmm. but have the thought in my head, like, I will not release this because otherwise it goes against the whole thing. And then afterwards, a month later, two months later, give you the recording and be like, hey, you have no idea, but here's everything you did and looked like and right. sounded like. Yeah. But you have to really know you're not being recorded to be free.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I did know. Yeah. In fact, I think Mel did a better job of forgetting that it was being recorded when I was always fairly cognizant. And this is pro- part of the problem being a podcaster, not that I would ever use any of the stuff in the podcast. But um, so there, there maybe was a performative aspect to it that I was cognizant that things were being recorded in a way, as a writer that helped me focus a little bit, you know, basically my research of the experience was in part being documented by the fact it was being recorded. But it's hard to separate that from the the self-consciousness of that experience. And maybe the experience for me is going to be different from the experience of you or somebody else who is recording it. But in a way, I think I've I've documented different things in my life so much that it was a little bit natural, that for me it was comfortable to have that on because it, it sort of assuaged my fear
1: that I would forget something. Um, oh, right, yeah, yeah, exactly, there is that. But you yeah. have to, somehow you have to let yourself forget that it's being recorded. Yeah. It's hard when you're doing comedy specials, because you're like, oh, this is a big moment. But the point of comedy is to be in the moment with people. For sure, yeah. So it's tough to do like a quick crowd work response when it's like, well, if this doesn't go perfect, you have to like, tell, somehow tell yourself, like, forget all that. Even though you're not fully forgetting That's another,
0: it. performance is another metaphor for you. There's travel. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, But then, I guess there's the self-conscious, there's the, the experience. I don't, know, I don't know if a comedy bit would be pure experience because obviously you prepare for it.
1: But, um, but that's why bloggers are ruining the experience of comedy. Because most of the time, when you say something like, that you're thinking like, is this over this some line? Most of the time it's not over a line. There are, say, 10% of the time where it is. Mm-hmm. Not that that's unallowable, but that it goes over this line of like, dude, gross. You just dropped an N-word five times in a row. We're all feeling weird in here. Right. But since most of the time it's not going to be over that line, but most of the time you're thinking of it, if there's a blogger in there at all times that's trying to ruin your career, like, I can't just go for it.
0: So you're self-conscious
1: about it. You're self-conscious. It. And you yeah. won't put out the 90% of the that is okay and makes everyone laugh right, in a cathartic way at a school shooting or something because you're afraid someone might be blogging it or recording it. most of the time comedy worked great it has to be unrecorded you have to be like it's just here right now
0: it really makes me wonder what would have how this would have been remembered differently if i hadn't recorded it or if if mel hadn't turned on that
1: that recorder um yeah because you like i'm a small level celebrity but when i see somebody or when i'm with bigger celebrities and they're looking at them they're like you can't even eat normally because you know you're being watched yeah you can't pick your nose right like quickly under the table when your friend is looking away cuz other people are staring at you and they're going to say I saw Joe Rogan pick his nose. Right. You know what I mean? So you're not natural. High or not high. It's just not I have thought about that as the vagabonding guy sometimes
0: like if people if, looking, if I run into a traveler when I'm being incompetent or a doofus or what do you whatever. Do? Are you
1: ordering that? Right. What should I be ordering that too?
0: It's like Potts doesn't know how to say thank you in Minangkabau.
1: Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, you, you want to be able to be a doofus. And you want
0: to be able to be imperfect, uh-huh. you know? Um, and so that's that, that's interesting.
1: Um, yeah, the act of recording things does change it. Yeah. But wow. again, sober and not sober. It, it, it kind of alters your reality, being watched.
0: Well, going back to Tim Ferriss, he, he does some podcast drunk. Does he? Him and Kevin Rose, yeah, they, they drink wine and call listeners and stuff like that. That's fun. That's a different kind of um, impairment, I guess. Um, They must
1: eventually get to the point where they stop thinking, how do I sound drunk? Yeah. Something you see sometimes in podcasts that are recorded, not recorded, recorded, but like it'll be video also. You'll see a lot of people end up keep looking at themselves on the screen they have the screens because uh-huh. they want to see what they're looking like. So you see people like with their eyes down because the screen is down. Yeah. So it looks like what do you keep looking at? Because you can't help but look at yourself. How am I looking being recorded?
0: So the question is what's more normal? Because that's pretty normal, wanting to be aware of yourself. And so is the person who doesn't look at the monitor at all more authentic or less authentic? You know?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like well, this is a person who is supposed to be looking at himself in a monitor. Everyone would. Right. That's why I say don't tell anybody you're fucked up because yeah. then they're going to look at you with this different light. Okay. As opposed to like, man, those guys are laughing, huh? They must be old friends and have a good time instead of like, oh, look at those drug addicts. That's what they are. Yeah. Just like, Let's follow those guys who are mushrooms and see what they're doing. Yeah. Gosh. I'm it, so glad you did it, though.
0: Well, I am, too. I am, too. And you I, are, I, looking I, back. Yeah. And, and I'll do it again. Although, again, it'll be competing against this first experience, which is sure. sort of a charmed experience. Sure. And I'm not worried that something bad is going to happen because there aren't little gargoyles that appear. Nobody's right. face melts off. Um, but it, it'll be different. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like the difference between your first,
1: first your, kiss, first time First anything.
0: First kiss, your first trip overseas. There's all those things where every little thing is exciting. I remember going to Thailand for the first time. Not to belabor the travel metaphor, but just the smells were exciting. Smells. The temperature of the air was exciting. Um, it's exciting. Drinking Taking a beer that cost sixty cents was exciting. You know.
1: Yeah, like Chang. I I I gotta assume it's not a good beer. I like if it. I had taste, that's right. It was good, but it's so the experience is so tied up with it that like you you can't separate it anymore. And I don't know if it tastes good or bad. It doesn't taste bad but does it taste better or worse than a Miller Lite? I don't really know.
0: Well, eventually you could, I guess if we're, if we're extending the metaphor of, your, of that first experience, if this is a metaphor, uh, when I go back to mushrooms, what's gonna be disappointing? Is the beer chain gonna be Miller Lite? You know? Right, right. Is the succulent gonna be, oh yeah, there's another beautiful succulent. Um, I suspect it's not going to be an issue, but there's that self-consciousness where when well, that's it. It's like when you, when you were saying in the last podcast, you said, you're so excited for me because I'm doing it for the first time. How many times do you do anything for the first time? You know?
1: I feel jealous of people like, I'm about to start watching The Wire. I'm like, oh, yeah. I wish I could be about to start watching The Wire. It was so good. Yeah, and I've yeah. already, I know how it ends, so I, I, don't, I, won't, I don't have that experience left for me anymore. Yeah. But it's like so jealous of them yeah. to be about to do something, the biggest, yeah, that first mushroom trip. And you will compare it. You'll have new experiences. But eventually, when I get too fucked up on mushrooms, I don't go, like, am, am I overdosing? Am I going to die? It's like, I just know better at this point. Yeah. That thought went into my head. Or yeah. quickly and then gone. Yeah. No, but it's I'm, nice to have that thought. Yeah,
0: no, I, I, was, I, was, I was a little nervous. I was not nervous. You, I, I'd just seen you, so you were the, you were the mushroom That's whisperer good. for me. Uh, keeping in mind we, we should probably end at some point yeah, let's um, it. what what should we leave, leave people with like the listeners who are considering this experience what should we leave well, them Well if
1: away? you want to find that 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 primer just okay. google if you don't know how, if you don't, if I've lost you there then forget <laughs> it but look, look in the show
0: notes we're all Look at it.
1: www.google.com uh, and just <laughs> type HTTP in http yeah, <laughs> colon shroomfest primer okay. or Ari Shafir shroomfest but it's just if you go shroomfest primer it'll come up it's deep on my website somewhere. Okay. And it's just everything I could think of about your first, how, how much to spend. And by the way, you can get an ounce for about 300 to be the right price. And I'm sure someone's like, no way, 200. And someone else is like, I can't find it for cheaper than 500. For an ounce, that's 8 eighths, which is half an eighth is about the right first. So we're talking about 16 doses. Okay. So who cares between 300 and 500 if you're splitting it up 16 ways? Okay. Don't let that stop you from getting mushrooms because they are hard to come by okay um so it'd be like you're robbing me but i'm still gonna fucking do this yeah it's like when they are thirsty as hell water costs a dollar here and if you're near central park somebody's like 250 you're like fucking thief but for a dollar 50 extra i'm not gonna go thirsty yeah. i'm gonna you win i'll yeah. give you 250
0: and and you'll know next time yeah, yeah. but calibrary. meanwhile
1: it's not worth being thirsty for an extra 30 minutes trying to find another place right um so don't worry about the price that much, but that's about, everything's in there. It's about how much you pay, how to find them. Hopefully I make it. So it's not so overwhelmingly crazy, but it should still be crazy for you.
0: Yeah. And, and they don't know. Remember that listeners, you don't know until you've done it. If the police come, they don't know. No one has ever overdosed
1: on this shit. So put all that shit out of your head. You'll be fine. In the end, you will be fine. And you'll have this experience that. People paint about, people write about, people musicians write about. It's not,
0: it's not legal, I You've guess. You've done it now, and do, you're a
1: square, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, right. It's, it's legal enough. Legal enough.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Ari. Yeah. For, for the mushrooms. I'm so glad you did it, dude.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> it was so cool. I forgot that we found your mushrooms in the car, that truck, in that truck. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: when you're saying, oh, sometimes 200, 200, 200 sometimes 500, it's like, did Ari give me 500? No, no, no. Mushroom? I gave
1: you probably, and I think she might have given it to me for free, actually. But like, I probably gave you. $30 worth of, okay. 15 20 $30 worth of. well money well spent it was it was the most amazing $30 experience i mean the amount of beer you'd have to buy to be fucked up for 6 hours right right it, it's like it's an it cost nothing compared to that
0: like in new york you probably even get fucked up for $30 with the beer you know <laughs> exactly There's you two might beers. get buzzed. This has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. More about everything that was just mentioned, including links to Ari's mushroom guide, as well as Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, and Tim Ferriss' podcast, Explorations of the Psychedelic Experience, can be found in the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. And as always, you can contact me with insights or questions at deviate at rolfpotts.com. This episode was produced by Justin Glow. Cedar Van Tassel does the theme music. Jan Futterman does the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts.